The podcast on Haunted Hill will contain spoilers and swearing. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Welcome to the podcast on Haunt Hill, episode 139. I, I did it that way so you could come in with me. Oh, hello. <laughs> we've, we've, we've begun already. <laughs> on that. I, I, I didn't mean it in that way. Hi, welcome listeners. If this is your first time, Dan and I talk shit. Um, I'm Gav. And I'm Dan. Gav As, is Vagina Hero. I am. That's an anagram of my name is the Vagina Hero. Uh crazy as it is it's the only anagram made from my name weird true it's wonderful weird, absolutely wonderful how are you very well thank you yes um we are drifting through so-called summer we've still we've got a bit of heat but it's in the uk but it's also still a bit wet so you know it is what it is hot and but, wet um, but i'm okay and then, you know things are okay things are good yeah. i'm very excited though because it's, it's that time you know where we we come to our patrons and we rely on one of our patrons i know exciting to pick our movie reviews i know it's uh, amazing and today <laughs> it is none other than come on down holly come holly. on down holly come on down oh, and join us on the stage <laughs> here you go here she is we could put you um, in a box and saw you up like a magician's assistant <laughs> Holly has chosen a couple of movies for us. Uh, one neither of us had heard of. Uh, I've not and seen in fact, both. I was going to say you hadn't seen either of them, which is fantastic. So, um, just to cover off what Holly's picked for us, she has chosen uh, Razorblade Smile, yep. which from 1998, which would be a very cool band name. We discussed, didn't we? I think so. Yeah, Razorblade Smile. I'm surprised it wasn't. It's a kind it, of a band name yeah. that would have been on the Crow soundtrack or but something, you know? You don't know. There could be a band, and it probably actually is. There's so many independent artists nowadays, like, on Spotify. Yeah. Do you think someone's ever changed their name to Razorblade Smile legally? No. No. Okay, fine. Uh, so she's chosen Razorblade Smile from 1998. Oh, and also... I'm just thinking that all of a sudden Spotify, like, for music, it's really good. They should make a Spotify for movies, kind of, sort of. I don't know how yeah, that would work. I guess Prime is like I that if you just watch is, the free stuff. Netflix, I suppose, I suppose they are. But anyway, sorry, I'll have to think about that more. What, what's the other choice? What's the other? The choice? other movie is Stephen King book that was transferred into movie. Yep. Throw in John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson, and we are talking Cell. Yeah. from 2000 and, uh, 2016 although it was made in 2014 and there was a bit of a delay on it we'll get into that when we discuss it so this is kind of Stephen King's uh, version if you will almost Zombies. of 28 Days Later but there's some slightly supernatural elements in there but also there's some 
AI sort of technical stuff in there. It's very interesting, and we'll get into that. So, Razorblade Smile from 1998. We're talking Razorblade PVC Vampires. We are sexy. indeed. Yeah. Very sexy. In fact, boobs and stuff. And we're talking John Cusack and Samuel L. Mother fucking Jackson. So there we go. That's what we're covering. So Holly, we will read out your message um, in a moment when we get to the the, the review of the movies. But uh, for now, let's have a catch up because it's our intro and we like to talk about what we've been watching, what we've been doing. First thing I want to say, Gav, is Mm. happy 50th birthday to hip hop. Yeah, happy 50. I didn't really uh, know much of this. I've got to keep seeing things 50th hip hop here and there. Um, What's going on? It, well, lots of stuff's been going on. Um, there, but the biggest thing that happened, or one of the biggest things that happened, is that in um, the uh, the Dodgers Stadium, um, sorry, the Yankee Stadium, not the Dodgers, they had an eight-hour concert uh, featuring pretty much anybody who's anybody in rap. Um, and I watched the majority of it. It's on YouTube, so I watched the majority of it. I skipped some of the artists I don't know because they have some modern stuff on there that I didn't know. And Run DMC closed the show and they were phenomenal. Bless him. DMC's DMC's voice is going because of his alcohol and drug. uh, He was addicted to alcohol and pills, which is why dodged that a bit but they were tearing it up they got everybody to hold up their sneakers in the air and everybody was on there you know snoop was on there um dougie fresh and snoop did a couple of songs together there's some it's just great to see some of the artists on there that they had djs in between every couple of artists a dj would come on and do 20 minutes of dj said like dj hurricane dj battle cat uh, it's just really fun stuff. The only artists really that weren't on there were some of the very expensive ones like Eminem, Dre, 50 Cent. Some of those guys didn't appear on there, but, you know, like that, I'd say it was a very good show. That's, well, that's a poor show on their behalf. <laughs> well, I know. It's about, where, where it's not about money, is it? But it was more about the, the old school hip-hop. You know, they had Melly Mel on there. They had... Um, uh, Grandmaster Flash, Furious Five, that all of those guys performing. Um, it, my only gripe would I'd love it to have been in order, but then you'd have like had a run, run MC right at the beginning, really. So it's great to close the show out with those guys, man. That was phenomenal. If you're going to watch any of it, I'd say watch like the last half an hour and just watch Run DMC. It was so cool, and that that's really what it really. It's just lots of stuff. People celebrating hip hop, and you know it's 50 years old. It was sometime in August. It was born, if you will. Um, and me and you are both big hip hop heads, and we love it. So yeah, just wanted to mention that really. It's, uh, oh, well, thanks. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know about that. That's cool. I'll check it out. Uh, I went to the cinema and watched Meg Two. Smeg Two. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ben Wheatley with my with my young son and eldest daughter. And Jason Statham. And Jason Statham, and it was I quite enjoyed it because I was. was it? Was it everything you wanted it to be? It was. It was quite a lot of underworld. It's quite interesting because it's like, like it's kind of like. Do you remember that Piranha when they rebooted Piranha again? 
Yeah, Piranha 3D and 3DD. Yeah, and then you get the point where it then goes to the beach of the people towards the end of it, a bit more yep. when the attack happens. This kind of happens in this a little bit, um, and it's it's a lot of it was really like down in the trench. It's really actually ex- exploration in underwater, really far down. And basically, Jason's Dave, Jason, Jason's Dave, Jason's Dave. He's down there, and it goes in, they go in a little thing, but little little fucking port, little robot machine thing they all sit in like submarine yeah. fucking I, I know like a mini sub sort of thing yeah yeah there's a few of them um, but they get down to bottom and there's like a there's like a whole fucking place down there like a building underwater they're like what the fuck is this and it's like um, some dodgy geezers doing some dodgy geezery stuff oh and Jason Statham's there so you know it's geezers and Jason Statham are, are you telling me make. You telling me that there's a whole building underneath this ocean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> essentially, yeah. And uh, and, and then they, so they're a bit like, oh no, we're, they're setting off uh, bombs, whatever. And they're like, oh no, so they set it off, and there's a big thing, and there's a meg there, and they actually they already have a meg. They have a small one in a, a, at the beginning of the film. Like, We've got one. You know, I don't know. The meg's apparently just a thing. I think in it now uh, but it didn't really have any Ben Wheatley fingerprint in whatsoever it's basically like you know you get uh, I think it's like um, oh Guillermo del Toro what's his name yeah Guillermo del Toro Guillermo, Guillermo. Um, um, the way he would do like one for him one for the studio one for yeah. him uh, I'm presuming Ben Wheatley's doing one for the studio so that, that, that'll make him some bit of money, a bit of clout, and then uh, he'll go off and do something well, a bit smaller and independent again. Or he said to them, like, you know, um, like, I want to do a movie, and they're like, okay, well, do this film. It's like, maybe it's, he's got something with Universal or whatever. Do this or, film, or maybe we you can genuinely, fund your other film. Or maybe he just genuinely wanted to blow off some steam and have some fun as or a filmmaker. Or just wanted you know? to do Meg 2, because yeah. I, I enjoyed the film myself. It I was... expect the budget was huge. They probably threw money at him and said, go for it. And he said, you yeah, know yeah, what? Yeah, I'm oh. sure it was a good payday, and he delivered, and he knows what he's doing. So, yeah, it could just be money. But it might be just for him to go and do something else, because I think he's a, making a horror TV series next Yes, he is. You're right. I, I posted that up in the Facebook group, um, so I'm excited for that. Um, talking of sharks, but if you actually, like Meg One, you like Meg Two. Yeah, I, I wasn't a massive fan of Meg One, but I am going to watch it again. I've got it recorded on my TiVo because it was on TV a few weeks back, so I'm going to watch Meg One again, and I, I'll definitely check out Meg Two. You know, I love sharks, Gav. You know, I do. And talking of sharks, there is a documentary that's just hit Shudder called Shark Exploitation. Literally today, listen to a podcast with the director. Oh, fantastic! I haven't watched it yet, but I want—I really want to see it. Um, uh, it's basically breaks down all the shark movies, you know, all the crap that I like to watch, um, and even some of the the good stuff, Jaws, etc. Um, from what I hear, this is all from what I hear. I haven't watched it yet, but I also hear that for each shark or each type of shark, they break down whether or not that type of shark, the science behind it, I think. So, you know, could you have a Franken shark? Could you have a shark exorcist? Could you have a six-headed shark with Danny Trejo fighting it? Probably not to any of them, but I love shark movies, and someone's gone out and made a shark exploitation documentary, so of course I'll be checking that out. I haven't seen it yet. It might be a big pile of shit, but... Uh, uh, the director is just chatting all about those sorts of films, and they're discussing all of the sharknadoes and all that sort of stuff. You just discovered a beer. They thought you didn't hmm. have any beer. Well, I didn't think we did, but my wife just snuck in the room and popped a beer down next to me, so... Well, happy God bless her. you. God bless her. 
Um, so yeah, shark exploitation. Got to check that out. Um, so that was a good segue, as always. You and I are unified. Have you been watching anything else? Um, I was with Sarah at weekend. We watched uh, randomly. We watched a fugitive uh, with Harrison Ford. Yeah, great. And is that Tommy Lee Jones in that one? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just I was listening to a podcast about it, and I picked up. I happened to then go to a town, sit on Blu-ray, <clears> pick it up, and watch it. Uh, we did watch Creepshow too again, which are big fans of that film. Talking of, um, I wasn't going to bring these up, but but I will because. I know you'll love it. Uh, talking of Harrison Ford and that kind of, those kind of movies, I've got back into the sort of action movies that were out. Not not martial arts, just the more straight action movies that were out a, a lot in the 90s. And then I've started working my way backwards and there was a Clint Eastwood, in other words, there was a Dirty Harry season on, um, on one of the channels recently. And I've got them all to record. And I've been watching them every... But one once a week, I've been watching one of the Dirty Harrys. So, nice. man, I am really enjoying these. I watched The Enforcer, which was so good. I don't think I've ever seen it before. The dialogue is ridiculous. Like only Clint Eastwood can deliver it, like the way he does. He's such a grumpy git, but I absolutely love him in it. I watched Magnum Force as well, and the next one I'm going to be watching is our favourite, which we covered. Uh, the Deadpool. I'm really looking forward to seeing that one as well. Um, I watched Dirty Harry way back because obviously that's the first one, but it's, it's not as good. I, don't, I, I prefer the sequels, I think. Yeah, they're, they're all fun. I've got a Blu ray box set, which is a nice transfer if anyone's interested in picking it up. It's nice. Um, I, I was thinking of watching one again recently, but chucking on the old projector actually because I thought that'd be quite good. Well, I got a little segue there because last night I was a bit sort of at a loose end. I'd written sort of written a few bits and bobs up for our, our episode and done my research. And I chucked on Tarantula from 1955. That's with Clint, isn't it? It's one of his first Clint movies. Uncredited at the end of that. Uh, and you don't see his face. He's got a fighter pilot mask on, but he's the guy that set, blows up the Tarantula at the end. Spoiler alert for a movie that's from 1955. Uh, yeah, he, he bombs the Tarantula at the end and it, it explodes. But yeah, I was surprised that Clint was in that as well. So good on you, Clint, for blowing up that gigantic Tarantula. Don't say that, Sarah. Will be oh, sorry, Sarah. Well, unhappy. Oh, that would be her dream come true, wouldn't it? A gigantic Tarantula taking over the world. Possibly. She'd be like, it's mummy. She'd be like, come on. <laughs> go, and, go and eat that. King Kong. Some weird spider thing, yes. Anything else you've been up to or watching? Any... No, I've uh, been making um, the old Star Wars films still. And it's just so, it's so frustrating it takes so long. Um, it's because it isn't a job. If it was a job and it paid, uh, I could get it done a lot quicker. It's like this week, for example. I wanted, last week I was colour grading. I've been colour grading for the past two weeks. Pretty happy of the grade. Um, and this week I wanted to go back and check it out again. Um, and um, I can't this week I'm too busy so I'll check it out next week um, but yeah it's going really well today I recorded um, some drums for it you did because uh, I've got a friend that goes all around the place he goes travelling with like a group of people uh, with drums plays Glastonbury and he goes and does like corporate events and all sort of things but he's got very, a very very tribal isn't yeah, it? yeah. yeah he's got like a real assortment of drums so um, I sent him the song that I've written with the little drums I did which are little pads here <laughs> just didn't sound beefy enough and um, he's also yeah he actually put some money to fund us as well um, you should do a, a cut just for you and I where you use like an 808 
to do the the real hip hop sounding drums. Well, you heard the uh, end song that I had to kind of made up, then I put a drum beat to a snare and stuff. That because that's just turned into like a song, which it wasn't before, which is weird. Um, but yeah, so I did that. I'm, s- I'm I'm writing some rap lyrics for that as we speak. Go ahead. And uh, uh, so I'm going to put uh, his drums over the top because he did the same rhythm, the same tempo. Um, but they're just boom, 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 boom. So it's that real sort of King Kong, summoning King Kong drums. Oh, shit, son. So when the stormtroopers are in the woods, you've got these yep. boom, 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 boom. Even though I've scored it, I'm going to have to go back to the score a little bit and go, well, where can I start putting these drums? Because he did loads of other little fill-in bits. So I've got a lot to play with. So it's cool. Uh, but the Star Wars film, it's just amazing. It's like every part of it just looks incredible. It's just like, oh my God, it's so good. But it's just so slow to make. I've now listened to the score and can confirm it's fantastic. And yes, the colour grading is looking good. Mm. It is coming along lovely and beautifully. Um, like a jewel. And talking of jewels and unseen diamonds, I found a diamond in the rough. Never seen it before. Zoltan, Dracula's dog, the Hound of Dracula, or AKA Dracula's dog from 1977. I know the name like so well. Uh, uh, What country is this? Italy, Spain? Uh, It's actually American, American production, Uh, but it's filmed in Spain. I believe. Okay. I kind of dig that when you get like American or British uh, uh, productions going into like other language countries to film. It feels, it's got the feel of the Tomb of the Blind Dead with a bit of hammer sprinkled over the top of it. It's also got the feel of, and this again is a foreign language production company, um, but they filmed it in England, uh, Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue. The way that works makes the film feel so strange. And it's definitely got that feeling to it, but it's just... And that's I my favourite really zombie enjoyed film. it. Oh, it's, it's out there in mine as because well. Because of that, what you just said, it just doesn't seem correct, but it is. But it works so beautifully. It's like an Italian movie, but a production, but in England. With, and that's the same with, with, Dr- with Dracula's dog, with Zoltan. Um, it, it's great, and it's cheesy. You know, Dr- Dracula had a dog... That, that comes back to life it's a doberman but the, the makeup on it is so good because it's 1977 the doberman looks great and its eyes and then the doberman starts tracking down uh one of dracula's um ancestors so he's called drake he's changed his dracula they changed the name to the drakes over the years and they moved to america and uh, so he comes over to america so one of dracula's sort of uh, familiar as comes to America with the dog Zoltan and they're hunting down his family and of course his family have got a dog the dog gets bitten by Zoltan the hound and then suddenly he's got a pack of vampire dogs that follow this Doberman around and it's just like it's like that kind of animal attack thing mixed with a vampire movie honestly really recommend it if anyone hasn't seen it it's really good and I ended up giving it get this 7 out of 10 like which is really high for a, a cheesy old what some might consider crappy you know it's not a vampire movie it's more an animal attack movie but there is some vampire stuff in it just good really enjoyed it that's cool i was um i'll have to check it out i've been meaning to for like forever i've just never seen it anywhere you know um i was working at someone's house earlier and they got sent bernard and and uh, the the dog was just very needy leaning against me it's so, it's so big and heavy but it was not, I was just stroking it and his mouth was all and I was just thinking of Cujo I've not seen Cujo 
um, because I don't. I feel like I might be a bit, bit just stressed by the child and the dog attacking. But a very stressful film. If this movie, if this dog was actually attacking you, that'd be gnarly. This dog was leaning against me, going, oh, "I need attention." I was like, "Oh my god, that was heavy." Yeah, when, when done right, dogs, especially dogs in horror movies, you know, I'm think, I always think of the Omen. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think of that that fucked up dog in um, Fly Two. No, uh, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You oh, know, the poor dog guy. Oh, oh. And, and then, then you've got the dog in the thing. And, and then, then the dog in Freddy, uh, where he's got the upside down human face on it. And yeah, it's like, yeah. what the fuck is going on? Like, oh, some good dogs in horror movies. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was good. And then the last thing I wanted to mention. Yep. The other thing I wanted to say is I finally I, I watched season six of Black Mirror, which uh i didn't really like the first episode with selma hayek i thought i liked the ai sides of it but i thought that was the weakest episode even though it was the most heavily promoted remember that episode but But i really loved fuck me there was one episode which i don't want to spoil um yeah it's hard isn't it but it's about paparazzi yeah Um, it's it's in the horror genre but my god the last two or three episodes are all horror especially that final episode which is set in 1977 yeah, fucking I, hell! That was an amazing episode. I, I really like the episodes, but a lot of people on Facebook I kind of just sort of look, read were moaning because they're like, "Where's all the technology and stuff?" And they've said that they wanted to kind of get away from technology a bit. Yeah, I mean, there was some technology stuff in there, but what Black Mirror has always done is comment on. It's almost like a warning about what we should be careful about as a society. So, for example, in the paparazzi one. It's saying, you know, and it was set in the 90s, that one, but it's also saying, you know, we've got to be careful because, you know, these these paparazzi, they follow everyone and look what happened to Princess Diana, etc. So, you know, there's always warnings in them. And, okay, a lot of the Black Mirror episodes in the past have been about using your phone or technology or Facebook, or whatever it is. But I really like that they went down the horror route for the last two or three episodes of the season. And it's very, just right up my alley. Absolutely loved it. In fact, I've watched that paparazzi episode twice now because it blew me away so much that there was a twist at the end and I was like, I've got to go back and watch that from the beginning. So the next day I watched it again. Loved it. So yeah, Black Mirror for, you know, delivers. Every season keeps delivering and um, that is like the Twilight Zone for our generation, really, or for the younger generation. It's great. Really good. Very relatable. Uh, It's got quite obviously a following. So when a new season comes out, everyone jumps on it now worldwide and talks about it. So must be quite hard for Charlie Book at times. A bit Uh, bit pressure-wise. The directors as well that want to that want to be involved, and the actors because you know you had that one episode that had Josh um, Hartnett and uh, the guy from Breaking um, Bad. Breaking Bad, uh, you know, and that was big names in that one. You know, and that was not that you can remember his name. No, because I didn't ever never watch Breaking Bad. Aaron Paul. That's it, Aaron Paul. Um, I never you, watched never watched Breaking Bad. What but do you mean you've never seen Breaking Bad? I never seen it. Look, there's three things I've never seen, and everyone blows everyone's mind. Breaking Bad, Dexter, Game of Thrones. Never watched any of them, and I probably never will because everyone tells me I need to. I never watched Game of Thrones. Dexter, Dexter, I gave up in season five, like I did The Walking Dead, and um, but. Breaking Bad finishes after there's only five seasons. Breaking Bad's great. A dude, a dude's got cancer and he's like, "What the fuck can I do?" Oh, I'm really good at fucking chemistry. Meets one of his fucking students who's just shit in the class because he's 
jumping out of a house for a, like trying to get away from a man because he's been sleeping with a woman and he just watches it. oh no a police raid anyway just ends up just whatever meeting him and they just go into business and then he turns into this nasty fucking I'm the man who knocks and the thing is I feel like I've seen it because I've it's been on so many clips so many memes it's, gifts it's, it's super good TV if you want to watch you watch it I don't feel pressure to watch it if you don't um, want to watch it don't watch it it is super I, good TV I never watched The Sopranos either uh, and that's one I probably would like to go back and watch at some point. It was the same with The Wire. I was really late to The Wire. It, yeah, it, it, seen, the Wire I've ended. Never seen and about five or six years after The Wire ended, yeah. someone lent me the entire box set. And my God, that was some good, fucking good television. Um, and the other one I've never seen, which again, I'm definitely going to watch, is Sons of Anarchy. Um, yeah, I've uh, literally yeah. started watching an episode randomly with Sarah. She came back, she went to Luke, came back, she said, oh, what, why? What are you watching? I was like, you watch your son's anarchy? I was like, obviously, have you seen it? She's like, yeah, I've seen it. It's pretty good. And I was like, oh, okay, I might get into it. I was just interested. I dabbled. Yeah, I, I, I am going to watch it. Weirdly, it's all on Disney Plus, so I'll be checking it out. Um, yeah. And there we go. Well, there we go. That's. I think that's everything covered. So we're going to, in a moment, we're going to have a trailer for Razorblade Smile. But as is tradition with our patron picks, first of all, let me present the crown to holly here is the patron pick crown you are the queen of this uh this episode and i'm going to read out her message to us um so she's very short and sweet and thank you kindly uh holly uh up front i don't know obviously what you can say um but thank you very much for sending us in uh your picks yeah thank you we really appreciate that um and it's honestly there's no pressure for future patrons to ever write anything long or short you can do whatever you want you don't even have to write anything but um holly has written us something so um just a quick chat we had backwards and forwards she said um these are the two that i want razor blade smile and sell that's the two uh razor blade smile is i'm picking that one because i used to beg my mum to i had to beg my mum to buy it off the internet back when there was dial-up on vhs and it was such a bad film i actually loved it uh, plus i used to love eileen daly and absolutely anything and i can see as a, a young person teenager boy or girl why you might like that Oof. we we probably have a few things to say about that she also said it was very me at the time big goth wanting to be a vampire cringe see i know it i fucking know it i called this when i was watching it with sarah um she said for sell sell is one i just love many people disagree but i love the idea of it i love the confusion and the panic and i love the what the fuck is going on ending um i'm also a big john cusack fan i wish he would do more horror so that's my two also, I apologise to both you and Gav for these, and for anyone who listens. <laughs> oh, don't apologise, it's fine. Um, um, well, my message... Well, oh, carry on, sorry. Well, I will, you know, I've, as I've said before to the patrons, I, if I don't like a film, I will say it's not into it, and that is normally me. Um, but that, that doesn't mean anything. Like, everybody has their own films they like. I still love, I still know what you did last summer, people don't like it. I still love America Wealth in Paris, people don't like it. It's I fucking love fine. Paris. I still like Roland Emmerich Godzilla from 97. Oh, dude, you're, like no, you're talking Watched my language. Again the other night. Elijah actually said to me, can you watch Godzilla? And I was like, yeah, all right, cool, watch one. He goes, uh, and I was like, do you mean that? You know that that could be one of our birthday picks for next year. So bear that in mind. One of us needs to pick that one at some point. Actually, uh, our, our 10th year anniversary episode, uh, 
this year it's I know it's on Christmas so I was thinking we should probably you pick one of your ultimate films I pick an ultimate film We're, not necessarily horror but but not like a bloody romantic comedy but you could go if it's got death in it <laughs> I can tell you what we're doing. You might you might not remember it. You, in fact, I know you won't remember what we're doing. Um, but because Christmas it's our ten one, year, it? yeah. I, it's maybe, nas- we're, we're doing National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I know. I d- that's great. Maybe the episode before we do a special though, where you pick something, I pick something, just to kind of get that in there. Maybe, maybe like a special birthday pre- episode for both of us. Yeah. Yeah, so far. Anyway, but back to Holly. So, um, and then I messaged her last night. So, thanks for your message, Holly. I messaged you last night, as you know, because you are Holly. And I said uh, to her, so everybody else, I said, "Hey, Holly, we're recording your Patreon special tomorrow night." And she replied, "I hope you don't hate me for razor blade smile, lol." I blame my teenage years. I swear I've grown up. Actually, that's a lie. I've matured in my horror taste. Actually, that's also a lie. Anyway, I hope you're well, and I'm looking forward to hearing it. And I said, we're all well, thanks. Um, also, a very raunchy movie in Razorblade Smile. Looking forward to talking about it. And she finally, she replied with, haha, I know. It was sex education for both, for goths back then for me. Haha. You, you probably didn't need to speak to the whole message communicator with you. <laughs> She might be like, that was secrets. No, 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 she doesn't mind. She okay, doesn't cool. Mind. Uh, yeah, no, thank you, Holly. I um, told her that I'd be reading out. She hasn't given any secrets away there. It's all good. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, yeah, I wasn't into it. There you go. <laughs> I've never is heard of it. It's, it's funny because it's a Jake West film. Uh, friends on Facebook, I am, but I don't. that doesn't mean anything. Um, he's a Fright Fest patron. Goes there quite a lot. Um he's actually got a documentary there this year which is on Thursday I'm off there on Thursday by the way I'm off to Fright Fest for the opening movie um, that time of year already I know suitable flesh Joe Lynch suitable flesh um, anyway um, what am I talking about uh, the director Jake West indeed yes and um, but I do like uh, the film we covered Yes, well, we'll get into that when we get into the discussion about the film. But before we do all all of that, here is a trailer for 1998's Razorblade Smile. Razorblade Smile. That's me trying to... Welcome, Razorblade Smile to the stage. We are Razorblade Smile. (laughs) And here's the trailer.
Okay, so Razorblade Smile from 1998. Yes. Uh, so bear with me. The synopsis is quite long on this one, but I'm going to read it out. A beautiful 19th century woman named Lilith Silver tries to intervene when her lover is challenged in a duel. Lilith shoots him, but the bullet has no effect on him, and he returns fire, critically wounding her, and then kills her lover. Later, he transforms her into a vampire against her will, and decades later, she's now working as a hired assassin, targeting members of an elite sect called the Illuminati, who are secretly taking over businesses in the city and the government. Inadvertently, her killing spree attracts the attention and she becomes the target of a Scotland Yard cop named Detective Inspector Price. See what they did there? Price, Vincent Price, Price. Lilith finds out later that the head of the Illuminati is none other than Sir Sethan Blake, the vampire who turned her into the monster. Now she's out for revenge against Sir Sethan and his clan of vampiric assassins, all while dodging the nosy Detective Inspector Price. A brief synopsis that is not. Yes. Um, is my synopsis is yeah. uh, if a 15-year-old <coughs> teenager, boy or girl, yes. um, thought up a good PlayStation game in the 90s, but they were a big fan of manga uh, and The Matrix and PVC, then basically my synopsis is hot PVC vampire goth is also an assassin with guns and a samurai sword. Throw in some random sex scenes and some slow motion shooting, and Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt. Yeah, it's a random one. It's it's um um used to get there used to be a horror magazine actually in England where you'd get a free DVD, actual free DVD of a case every. Yes, every, remember that? Yeah. Do you remember the name of it? I can't remember. No. What was that? Um, God, yeah, I do remember that. It was monthly. Hmm. And this was the sort of film you'd get with it. Yeah, yeah. It it, it feels that, or or like a kind of nineties, very late night Channel Four movie, possibly. Maybe. Yeah. Um, what's interesting about this film is it was made in probably I'm assuming before ninety eight. It was released in ninety eight, so it maybe took a year or two to to make because it's, it's the the budget was around about twenty thousand pounds. So we know what we're dealing with here. Um, however. What's interesting is it really had its finger on the pulse of what was about to become the big thing because because around about just after this you had the Matrix in ninety nine and then you you had all your sort of underworld movies, your Resident Evil movies. So this was a very early precursor to all of that in some ways because it's a lot of hot chick in PVC with samurai swords and guns being a total badass, saying all the sort of lines that you would expect in an action movie. <clears throat> Chucking yeah, Blade. that she's a vampire as well. Yeah, Blade, all of those. It's like, how do they, you know, I guess they were making this as things like Blade were just about to come out. Yeah. The director clearly and the writer clearly fan of the genre. I mean, it's a manga studio's production, so they they obviously got some of their budget from manga. Um, well, possibly, or from there. It's not very big budget, but I was going to say, when you're saying that, as a filmmaker, more kudos to them for what they made with 20 grand. 
Yeah, it's um. I'm going to say, uh, but you shouldn't merit a, a movie on that because no, we, we, you just merit a movie on the movie. That's how it is. You have yeah, to. exactly. I mean, but, movies movies can <laughs> cost with that knowledge millions and be awful. With that knowledge, though, uh, that is twenty grand. I feel a bit more like, oh, fair enough. It did, you know, fucking fair play, you know. Yeah, and, and it, yeah, and in fact, when they were produ- when they were starting, the, you know, the process of making this. They had the majority of the cast. Eileen Daly plays the main vampire, Lilith Silver. But um, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, bloody hell, from uh, Shaun of the Dead. Well, I can't remember his name. Bill Nye. He was in talks to be cast as the main old vampire in this, Seth and Blake. Um, pulled out of the last minute, and it went to Christopher Adamson, who is from Judge Dredd, the Stallone Judge Dredd and has been in a bunch of other really big big Hollywood films so really crazy that he he was in this but um okay yeah no let's let's not beat around the bush this is low budget but you know like you said kudos to the um director it's they've done well with with the budget they had and there's some fun to be had in it but but before we get into the nitty-gritty of it of the plot let's talk about you know our uh, suspicions about why Holly chose this because we both, I think, probably have the same theory here. Well, I you just assume she's a teenager, like a thirteen-year-old or whatever. Possibly, uh, you know, seen seen like that, um, the crow, things like that, and just been like, yeah, yeah, I'm fucking digging this shit. And, exactly, and, and exactly. Discovering this movie one day down the fucking rental shop or whatever. And they're just going falling in love with it because you know that's just it kind of goes with a certain time and place for certain people and certain things. Um, I, I personally don't like the film. Not not my cup of tea. It just it just sort of dragged a bit and stuff and just I don't know. <laughs> but I, I agree with you in that. Um, I can. But I see, to... I see. I see the audience. There's an audience for it. Well, yeah, in 98, you know, if you're like a 15-year-old boy or a girl... A 46-year-old male like myself, it's not it's not the audience, probably. But um, I... So my comparison for this, so I... If I was, again, if I would discover this at the right age, this would definitely be like my um, comfort blanket, my guilty pleasure. And actually, you know, there is a movie that I discovered at about the age of about 15 which is terribly low budget. and But for some reason, people really love it and people give it credit. And that's because the director has gone on to do amazing things. But I'm talking about Bad Taste. Bad Taste is a fucking awful film in some ways. Really low budget. This is amazing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But that's, I think that's, this is like Holly's Bad Taste because this caught her at the right age. She also begged her mum to rent it for her. You know, I need a Bad Taste and, t-shirt. And get, getting your mum's, oh, go on, mum, just rent it, please rent it. And finally, she caved in and she rented it. And then you're at the age where you're sexual awakening as well. So you've got all this stuff going on, and it's badass vampires, you know, with swords. Plus, like you said, if you're into the crow and all that kind of stuff, Holly said she was a goth, maybe still is a little bit of a goth thing as well. Um, then, yeah, I think this is going to catch you at the right age. And also, there wasn't an awful lot of movies out there for goths, really, you know other than the crow dark city and a couple of other stuff you had to wait until blade the matrix and a few other movies like resident evil and the underworld movies came out so this will do 
you know, there's a little stopgap. So I totally see why why this is something she wanted us to cover. And I, again, this is a patron pick. This is up to the patron to tell us what to review. And if it's a movie that sits with them for whatever reason, you know, I think it was Matthew that chose Hansel and Gretel, uh, a movie I never thought we'd ever cover. We, we talked about that. And it's just like, if it's a movie that sits with you, and I just want to say this to our patrons, when it, either when it's your turn again or when it's your first time, don't be afraid to give us something that it means something to you. You know, I, I think it's really yeah. important. That's the whole point in the patron pick, you know? Yeah. And, um, and uh, I'm always going to be totally honest. Uh, <laughs> uh, if I don't like it, I don't like it. If I really like it, I'll be like, fucking hell, I really like this. And, you know, it's just the way it is. I, I yeah. enjoyed Cell. I didn't think I was going to enjoy Cell. So, there okay, we go. Glad. <clears throat> well, this movie, um, I'm not going to run through the entire plot because it, it, you know, it, it's well written. I'll give it that. There is a plot. There's a great plot here. I think <clears throat> what works well. I think Eileen Daly is really watchable for for many reasons Boop. as the the main vampire. Not just that though. I think that she's she oozes <laughs> she oozes I was just sexuality. A joke there. I'm not no, really no, it, but but, but you're yes, right. Yes, uh, she <laughs> no, but, she is quite sexy attractive looking lady so and she you know. she's very good with the dialogue um some of it is a little bit ham-fisted but she's very good with all the dialogue she's given um i like some of the nods like chief inspector uh, detective inspector price obviously being a nod to vincent price i do like the whole the vampires are infiltrating the government what's going on with the fact that they could go out in the daylight and um uh, they're on photographs yeah, so there is a co- very cool element to this. Which is you know cool. me, and I don't mind. You could do anything with vampires. You don't have. I, I like exactly. actually if or, or werewolves or any of these classics. If you actually go, fuck it, it's not silver bullets. Uh, fucking, it's bronze bullets. <laughs> it's know, carrots. It's fucking carrot bullets. It's dildos. It, only werewolves can be killed by dildos from a fucking dildo shot. Imagine that. <laughs> Wow, Stephen King's dildo bullet, starring Chris, starring Watch uh, out! He's fired off a big black mamba. The guy sort of turns back into a human dildo, but um, I don't even know where we're going with that now. Oh yeah, so what? That's one of the things that I think is cool in this is that there is a narration on and off throughout the movie by the main vampire, and she's sort of like, "Hi, this is my story. You think you know vampires? You don't know fuck all about vampires. Let me explain." So here and there throughout the movie, she gives you the rules, but the real rules in her world, you know, where it's like it's all nonsense. You you can see us in the mirror. We do show up on photos. We can go out in sunlight. However, the sun does hurt our eyes, so we have to wear shades because we do have sensitive eyes. We drink blood. Um, that's true. There's certain facts that are true about it. Uh, crucifixes work a little bit, but not that much. And so, like, there's this whole like narration on and off where she's like, oh, by the way, and it's quite cool, quite funny almost a bit lock stock at times the way she's talking to the audience um there's definitely some influences from british gangster movies in this as well i think it's safe to say um but the plot basically involves the fact that she is a bored vampire a bit like highlander she's immortal she's bored she's been alive for about 100 years not a lot going on 
what am I going to do? I'm going to become a hit woman, a hit man. You know, I'm going to become an assassin. Sh- she shags her boss. She shouldn't, always, she shouldn't shag your employer. It's always a problem. No. Lots of things can go wrong. Well, he's not really a boss. He's the guy that brings her the jobs. He's, an he's like, oh, there's another hit. He's employing yeah. her. And he's like, I told you I would never have sex with you again. And she's like, yeah, but I'm yeah, but a look, vampire I can, and I can hypnotize you. And the poor guy, the poor guy, Gav. Basically, it's like, sex with her. Basically, this woman is quite an attractive woman. She's got these big boobs, walks around in tight clothing. Men are going to look at her and go, cool, that's all right. I wouldn't mind shagging that. But they not. And it's not. It's not like men don't need any help in that anyway. Men would just look at a, a wall with a hole and go, "Oh, I'd shag that," because that's you know. I'm saying this loosely. Not obviously all men. It's not all the same. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. They don't need help. They're, but already appealingly visually, that looks great. It's like oh, look at that They're coming down the old street. Way. You know. But then she's just like, just in case there's a couple of you who don't want it, I look into my eyes. <clears throat> I'm a vampire, I'll she, get you. She basically, when she's like, every when she gets up in the morning, she's like, I'm getting laid. I'm getting laid today. Every day she wakes up, I'm getting laid today. I'm getting laid today. <laughs> never, never beat, you know. So that there's definitely an original, there's some original originality here. She's an assassin vampire, you know, that's cool, um, living amongst humans. The other thing I like, which is, Again, it plays with the is vampire. That, is that like Blade then? Well, no, he he kills vampires. He, he's half vampire and okay. he's out to kill vampires. She she's an assassin. If you pay her, she's a hitman. Yeah. Um, but the other cool thing is that plays with the vampire myth is she frequents a goth bar full of people who want to be vampires. So these are people that wear fake teeth and all think that they're vampires and they discuss vampires and that's all they do their life is vampires and there are these people out there little do they know that lilith hanging out with them every day every night having drinks with them she is actually a fucking vampire so when they're all sort of discussing it she sat there rolling her eyes thinking oh god you don't know i'm 110 years old vampire yeah yeah it's cool i do like that as well she she Um, takes one back to to her room at one point and shags her and like and it's quite funny because she's like oh you know we've got real fangs and joking around and stuff and she obviously she has yeah 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 there's um again a very sexy girl on girl scene there you Uh, know i actually thought that scene was awful (laughs) i was like how have i never ever been like turned on from two women having sex on the camera in front of me and i'm just like what is going on with this like these edits of these shots it's like what the fuck so well before we get into the main plot of it yeah let's just walk through some of the bits and bobs that happen around the main plot line so yeah she does kill the odd person here and there there's a photographer a shithead photographer that turns up uh, he's been employed by the detective to come into the vampire bar and take photos of everybody because the detective does think that there's such a thing as vampires. The guy well, shows him the right, film. He's right, though, in turn. It, well, he is right, totally, totally. Yeah. And he, he shows the detective, the photographer shows the detective the photos and everyone's up on there and that's fine. But uh, Lilith thinks I better take care of this loose end. So she she goes back to the photographer's house with him for a private shoot he thinks yep and uh she ends up killing him so sorry well, about that he's a bit of a twat when he comes into a club though like i did think like when when you're a certain thing because i used to um i i lost my virginity to a goth so there we go so I used, to, I used to hang around with 
you know, goths, etc. Joe Fangs, no, I don't think so. Goths and things like that. So, um, but I would see them as they'd get ridiculed because we'd be skating, hanging out, and they'd be there as well, kind of, and it, kind of getting ridiculed and so, like, oh, look at you, go some sunshine or whatever, all that shit. And um, I thought it was a bit rude of this photography comes in and he just blatantly there says, no, I'm taking photos for this thing where basically I'm de- depicting like people who think they're vampires. He's obviously going to give like right, do a bad write up and say these bunch of dickheads in there. That's you know the way he says it. Yeah, and she's yeah. just like, oh, let's do it anyway. Oh, don't do a bad write up. She's obviously going to do a bad write up. Like, if you're a vampire that old, you've been around for so long, why are you not wise enough to f- just notice that this dickhead is going to do a bad write-up? But anyway, regardless of that, um, uh, he, he's not even doing the write-up, is he? He's getting the snapshots for the... the yeah, it's all, it's, all, it's all for the detective. So the, the main plot line is, um, <coughs> is that this detective is after Lilith. He doesn't know it's Lilith. He's after whoever this assassin is. It's going around killing people who are part of this Illuminati. They wear a ring with an eye on it. Yeah. And this this Illuminati are actually a bunch of vampires that have infiltrated the government and other high powers um, society. And she's been hired to go off and kill them all. She doesn't know so that, she, though. She doesn't know that, no. She but So we get a, a scene where the guy's in the bath... He's got kind a little flannel over his almost. Eyes. It is a little bit kill listy. Mm. But the funny thing is, the punchline is, and I'll, I'll cut to the chase really, is so at the very opening scene, 100 odd years ago, we see her become a vampire because her, her husband or her lover was killed in a duel, a pistol duel. And the guy that killed her husband shot her, but then bit her, brought her back to life. It turns out he was a vampire. The punchline is, is that the head of the Illuminati, the head of the police force in Scotland Yard, is that vampire, Seth Ann Blake. And it transpires that this whole movie, the last 60 years of their, of her life, of, of her being an assassin, it's all been just a little bit of foreplay. Because at the very end... She she's about to kill him because it's like you know oh you're the one behind all of this Sethan you've you've driven all of this you're the one that wants me dead and he's like yeah, yeah. but don't you want me dead and they're about to kill each other and then they kiss and then they obviously go off to fuck and it's basically been foreplay for about fifty or sixty years because they're so bored they're immortal they've got so nothing else like to role do role playing for fifty years Gav role playing vampires. No, no, they are vampires. Yeah, but they're vampires doing role playing, like they're yeah, a, couple, oh, yeah, a yeah, board yeah. cup, a board couple, who want to spice up their sex life. Exactly. So they're going to bring in people and make this whole elaborate fucking thing and kill people in the in, yep. in between. So she's she's been eating loads of people around London. He's been <laughs> getting people loads of people killed. She's been fucking away through half of the goth bar. Um, and yeah, it's all because they wanted a bit of a spark back in their relationship, which they got at the very end. Yeah, I did think that was a bit weird. But again, I didn't see it coming. So I'm going to, like, <laughs> that's a little tick. That's a tick for me because I didn't see it coming. Um, so what I liked about this, let's, I think let's talk about, actually, let's talk about what we didn't like and then let's talk about what we did like. Because um, I know we normally, guys, I know we normally go from beginning to end, but. 
the plot is we kind of covered it really um there's not an awful lot to say and this is no disrespect to the movie or to holly it's just it's that kind of a movie really where there isn't an awful lot to say it's a bit of a cheaper film but let's talk about first of all what we didn't like and then let's talk about what we did like so gab is there anything that stands out that you didn't really like about this or what's like the worst thing about it for example uh um no of course no um but be honest as well uh the sound effects um, uh, there's a gun battle and it looked like a very poor sort of Robert Rodriguez gun battle with men in suits and stuff. Oh, and is that stones. the one on the rockets? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Rocks. it was like a, a El Mariachi on crack or something. Um, um, the sound effects are actually comical though, and it was a bit like that's a bit of a shame really because that could have been very easy changed. You know, or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It was. It's just not my sort of film. It went on a little bit too long. I think it just needed tightening. I reckon, like, you know... I don't know. At the same time, 20 grand, I'm pretty impressed, actually, now. I didn't realise this. Um, that does impress me a bit. What, what, how about yourself? So, I think, yeah, I agree. Maybe it dragged on a little bit. Um, I think some of the actors in it weren't great. Uh, particularly the henchmen. All the henchmen were awful. They're all wannabe Vinnie Jones, you know. Obviously, Lockstock had not come out not long before this, and they were all wannabe Vinnie Joneses. Um, yeah. Um, I'd have liked to have seen some better gore, some better practical effects. It wasn't as good as I'd have liked. Um, and the, I think it was just they just needed more money. Really, I think yes, it is impressive what they did for twenty k, but you can only do so much. And I think that's my biggest thing really is it is very low budget and it does unfortunately show. However, things I did like about it, I did love Eileen Daly in it. I think she's brilliant in it. Um, I liked that. I really liked the story. I thought it was original. Like I've said, vampire assassin. Um, I liked the elements that she's going and drinking with people who want to be vampires, not knowing that she secretly is a vampire. I think that's really cool. Uh, very original. Um, thought she was really watchable and incredibly sexy. And I loved the twist at the end. As silly as it sounds, it kind of worked for me. I just thought, well, of course, this is all just a bit of foreplay over the last 50 years. Of course. Um, so there are things I liked about it. Honestly, mm. there are. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't like. I am going to stuff I did like. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like the fact that the PCP. No, the PC did PCP. I actually started calling him PC PCP. Nice. Um, um, but then on the next scene, didn't look strung out whatsoever. Looked absolutely yeah. normal, and I was like, "That's such a shame." I was waiting for him to turn up and be like, "Ah." So um, for the listeners, there is a moment where the the detective is. He maybe, goes to stake. Maybe they cut it out. He okay. tries to stake um, Lilith, and she ends up staking him with his own wooden stake. And you think he's going to die of his wounds, but he manages to like not die of it. But he's got a great gaping wound in his stomach. So in order to go off and fight the final battle, he gets some PCP, which has been confiscated from an earlier uh, crime scene. Does a bunch of PCP, but yeah, nothing really comes of it. That would have been awesome to see a cop on PCP just being like. Rah! Imagine that. That's what I was hoping for, and I, I like to call him PCPCP. I thought that was all right as well. Is there ever been a film where Nicolas Cage um, does a bunch of coke or PCP and then Mandy. goes into battle? Mandy. Yes, of course, of course. Uh, Mandy's incredible. Um, there's a scene that I did like where they pull her in 
to uh, uh, interrogate her. And one of the detectives is not as, like, uh, uh, believing or really, like, what you're saying to me? Uh, and the other one's like, she's a vampire. He doesn't say it just yet. He's just, like, uh, pulling her in for whatever reason. Then just springs on the boat. I think you're a vampire. And she's obviously going, yeah, whatever, whatever. And when he, the, he looks away, she pulls her fangs out to show him. That Loved done. that bit. This scene was actually uh, fairly well crafted. Um, it was the only scene in the whole film which maybe like was more elevated than the others uh, because of some tension. And um, so uh, then it, you know, um, he's then he goes off, grabs some stakes, and goes towards the attacker. So the other detective has to come in, and then it's just like pulls him out, and then comes back and says, oh, "I'm so sorry, you're free to go." And she's like, "Yeah, fuck, fuck's sake, you know, you can't just bring people in like this. Says, I could sue you or whatever." Blah blah blah, blah back and forth. That was all right. That wasn't a bad episode. Um, episode scene. It was quite tight in a way, um, with a little bit of tension. So I quite enjoyed that. I think she's great in it, and I think you know she's definitely the best thing in the film. And uh, with better budget uh, and tighter editing, and maybe even a slightly better script, and, and surround her with better actors, she'd be brilliant in in if this was a bigger budget film. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm not gonna. I, I couldn't really recommend this. Um, I wouldn't say this is like an amazing film, but there's definitely bits in it I would like. I, I liked, and I would say if you are just if you just want to check out a, a low budget vampire film, goth, especially if you were a goth, if you want to be reminded of what it was like when you were a 15 year old goth, this is going to call to you if you watch it. I was never a goth, see, so um, that's another thing where I, you know I love The Crow. I love the I love Blade and Dark City. I love those goth elements, but I was never a goth, so maybe I'm, it doesn't appeal to me as much as it would someone like Holly. I don't know, but um, I can't really recommend it. However, I'm not going to fully slate the film and say it's awful. There's definitely some good elements to it. They did well with the budget. Mm. Um, I, I like the uh, uh, kind of found footage camcorder tape thing going on, which was the uh, envelope with the tape on she watches. VHS tape and it's the man sort of saying they've got the money da, da, da. It was yeah. like, it's only because I like found footage and it seemed a bit more modern because funny enough because we know found footage to look like that they all look the same it kind of pulled that out of the film for a moment what I liked actually um, it's, a set, it's about... a, very much like Annihilation as well so that movie's really good I love Annihilation Whereas the cam, they find a camcorder tape of the woman's uh, 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 boyfriend have you seen Annihilation? Yeah, I have. And funny enough, there's an episode of Black Mirror, one of my favourite episodes from season six, which involves some VHS tapes um, yeah. of torture. And that episode blew me away as well. Uh, it's yeah, done very it. well. I liked it in this one. I thought the tape thing was okay. Well, what I think ultimately, what I like about this film ultimately, where my where it gets a big tick from me is, is because of its age, because of what it was, because of its influences, those influences, while I'm watching this, remind me of where we were at in the UK in in sort of 97, 98, where we were grasping at new things, we were grasping at vampires. There's elements even of British horror flicks, um, British gangster flicks in this, but there's also some sort of Tarantino-y style bits in this. You can really see what the director was being influenced by. And for that reason alone... 
I like this as a sort of reminder, like a trip down memory lane of where cinema was at around about this time. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And I do like Jake West's, um, uh, what's it called, Um, Dog. Yes. um, Well, we should mention Jake West, actually. So the director, Jake West, uh, did directed Doghouse, which we've reviewed. Doghouse, yeah. I don't Um, mind that, except there's no ending. It's really weird. It ends in a shopping trolley. But we reviewed it. We yeah. loved it. We both loved that one. He's also done Evil Aliens, um, and he did the uh, a segment in the ABCs of Death as well. Um, I've never seen Evil Aliens, um, but it was on. It used to be on the Horror Channel quite a lot. Uh, I just never got around to watching it. But yeah, so Jake West has done. You know, he's done stuff. Um, and we've all got to start somewhere, I suppose. But yeah, that's that's kind of that's all I've really got to say on this. Like I said, I couldn't hundred percent really recommend this to you. But what I, the good things I'll leave you with are: it is a good snapshot of where we were at, of where cinema was at at this time in the nineties, and <clears throat> it's all about um, Eileen Daly. Yes, yes, she, she was quite an attractive lady to uh, watch. Um, yeah, you know, I'm I can't recommend this. I'm afraid. Um, don't know. It's, yeah i think what dan said really if if you're into that sort of thing or you want a feel of that sort of era then yeah yeah check it out um but yeah for, for any again though kudos to tony grand for making it though that's pretty cool word okay well that's razor blade smile i've got uh mr bill murray's just walked in all right bill why are you wearing the back half of a pantomime horse outfit and where's the front where is the front? And who's in the front? Is it Dan Aykroyd? Oh, hang on. He's saying it's something to do with animals. All be, all will be revealed when we get into World of the Strange. Oh, okay. Should we get into World of the Strange? Yeah, but you're you're just being the back end of a donkey or a horse. Because oh, that's the bit that's got the penis attached. Right, okay, great. Nice one, Bill. Okay, well, let's get into some World of the Strange and see what on earth's going on with this uh, animal stuff. Yeah, let's do it. Hi, welcome back to World of the Strange. Strange world. Thank you, uh, Bill Murray, for that intro. Um, I understand why he's wearing the back end of a pantomime horse now um because i have got three animal related stories here animals attack gav um although bill you could have worn anything you could have worn a gorilla outfit you could have worn anything and that's what you've chosen to wear but uh, that's up to you you are bill murray and you they do don't what you normally do. actually have a penis attached to them the pantomime horses do they well i think he's glued that on that's just a big old dildo isn't it look at it it's terrible it's awful. It's flopping in the wind like that. In the wind. Well, there's three animals here. Um, one of them you would expect to attack, but the other two I don't think you'll you'll be expecting. So I'll start off with the shark, shall I? All right. Shark attacks. So here's the, the headline. A brother dives into the water and fights off a nine-foot-long shark to free his sister from its teeth. Oh, nice. Was it a great white? It was a great white in Florida. So what did he do? 
A 17-year-old girl suffered a shark attack in a Florida beach, but is alive today thanks to her brother's quick actions. Okay. She was just in the water, about five foot deep, in uh, just off Kenton Beach, or Keaton Beach, sorry, when a shark bit her. And as we know, when they bite Gav, they don't let go. No. They're hungry. No. Hungry boys. She said, the next thing I knew, something latched onto my leg. And I was like, well, this doesn't seem right. Then I looked down, and it was a great big shark. That's a bit scary. But I don't know. Your mind might not actually kind of realise really at the time. You'd probably go, it's a bad thing. But I don't know if you'd really take it all in at that moment. You'd probably go into shock later on, you know. Now, not to say anything about people from Florida, but there is like a bit of a stereotype about people from Florida. So I don't know if any of our listeners are from Florida, but but they're they're pretty um, hardcore. They they don't mess about, you know. Nothing. I, I think that's fairly known around the world. <laughs> nothing phases them. So her ne- the next comment is she says, I remembered watching an Animal Planet episode that said you were supposed to punch a shark in the nose. So I thought, ah, I'll just punch this shark. However, I couldn't lean around enough to punch it in the nose, and it bit me further as I did that. So her first instinct was, oh, I better punch this shark, actually, because I've read that. It was probably getting a better grip as well. So um, she tried to pull it off uh, her leg with her bare hands, but obviously, again, it's a great white shark. It's nine foot tall. Not uh, tall. <laughs> it's not tall. It's just walking along. <laughs> walking along like, right, I'm a shark. <laughs> That'd be scary, though, wouldn't it? Fuck it big, massive, <laughs> big, massive cockney shark coming at you. <laughs> in Florida. <laughs> Even scarier. You're in Florida going, man, I love Florida. And then you, all right, geezers, I've come to fucking eat you all. <laughs> um, anyway, her brother, Rhett, said he saw some blood in the water and thought, something's going on there. I better jump in and help her. Mm. Could have been anything. It was a shark. That's how much he loves his sister. Oh, bless. So he said he saw a bob back up and he saw blood flying out the water. Then he saw the shark attached to her leg and he thought, damn it, I've got to go in. So he swam over. He grabbed her. He pushed the shark. He punched the shark. The shark kept coming at him and sort of hitting into him with its head, all the while holding on to his sister. So he managed to punch the shark enough times that it started to let her go. He he pulled his sister out of the shark's mouth, kicked the shark a couple of times for good measure. This guy is pretty hardcore. And then swam backwards, taking his sister with him. Uh, The shark didn't come after him. I'm not surprised. It was probably afraid. (laughs) Um, Pulled her up on the boat and called another boat over nearby where they made a tourniquet out of boat rope uh and yeah she's alive today to tell the tale she has lost part of her leg though the bottom half of her leg but it's not enough that she can't have a prosthetic and potentially still walk around on it so thank god for her brother because if it had been a different bite she would have lost too much blood and died Mm. so yeah that's the first. I think I feel like the headline should have been "Florida Man Punches Shark." That yeah. would have been a better headline. Yeah. But yeah, there we go. So there's your, your first animal attack. What, would, what do we think of that one, Bill? Uh, Nodding away at that one, Gav. I think that's very brave of the young lad, and well done him for jumping in. 
17 years old as well, mind. When I was 17, I would, I was afraid to sort of, I don't know. My kids would defend each uh, each of the, each of them. They have before d- d- defense, not to not to sharks though. I was going to say cockney sharks. No cockney sharks in Florida. Fuck it out here I come. <laughs> well, on to the next story. So I said to you that the first one was going to be, you know, obvious. The second animal attack, not so obvious. Rabbit. Although. Gerbil. Although. It is known. If you know enough about animals, you know that this is one of the biggest killers Squirrel. in on the planet. Right. Hippo. That doesn't surprise me, though. Hippo. Have you seen the mouth and jaws no. of a hippo? Let me tell that you the headline. That shit is like some scary prehistoric stuff, almost. Here's the headline. What do they do? What do they do? Here's the headline. Hippo swallows a two-year-old boy whole in Uganda... And then vomits him back up. Oh, does it, did, what happened to the kid? He's all right. Wow. <laughs> I, I need like this one. Has it. he got a story for the party? Tell him what happened when you were two. <sighs> oh, yeah. One of my first memories, actually, is um, being inside a hippo. I wonder <laughs> if he hell. will ever have like some sort of flashback. Oh, God. When he's, um, in, when he's in a dark, wet place. Ooh. So the toddler was playing near his home on the shores of a lake in Katwe Kapatoro, which is a town uh, where he lived in Uganda, when the hungry, hungry hippo <laughs> grabbed him with his huge jaws. Do you think it did it like that as well? And pulled him in. In a miracle, the two-year-old boy survived after being gulped down by the rogue hippopotamus. The hippo spit the toddler back out after an onlooker started throwing stones at the animal, which made it vomit. I don't think it was probably the stones. I think it's probably more likely that it was a two-year-old boy, which is... And my children are two. They're quite big. Trying to swallow that, they probably realised, oh, I can't actually swallow this. I'm going to have to be sick. Yeah. How shocking for the parents. (laughs) Or if you're like the babysitter. Yeah, you take your eyes off him for one moment and a hippo's come along and swallowed him whole. And what is, so, what is the purpose of hippos? I know there's no real purpose for a lot of animals, really, but what like is elephants, the purpose of hippos? elephants are kind of cool. They seem all right. Like, quote quote of the hippos, episode so far, what is the point in a hippo? But what is the point in a hippo? They kind of just hang out in the mud. They don't really reveal themselves until they want to eat a two-year-old. So hippopotamus is, I believe, Latin for river horse. Um, but I couldn't tell you what the point in the hippo is. It's definitely not a river horse, though, is it? But they can run really fast. They're really, really fast, which is why they're one of the biggest killers on the planet. Hippo racing. Yep. I, I want to see that now. Okay. Rhinos, rhinos, I don't know, they've got the spikes, haven't they? (laughs) Spikes! Spikes! The the horns, the horns. It's not a triceratops. Rhinos have got the horns, though, and they've got, there's no real purpose there, but they've got their place in the safari. What's their place? Just there in the safari, it's there. They've got elephants, lions, and then you've got the rhinos. They've got their place. That horn. Yeah, but they get, but but that horn, they get in trouble because the poachers want that horn, don't they? The ivory poachers. Yeah, but if you had that rhinos towards you of that thing about to like 
penetrate you, that would be just bad. Well, well it depends. How scary that'd be? That's got its place. But a hippo, and then that is a scary animal too. But what is it? What's going on with that? I don't know. That's maybe a subject for another time. But the, let's get into the story of this one. The, tod- <laughs> the toddler was playing near his home on the shores of a lake in December when the hungry hippo grabbed him with its huge jaws. Before the animal could swallow him whole, the bystander began throwing rocks at it. This caused it to vomit the boy back up. So the police identified the toddler uh, as Eager Paul and said the animal had grabbed him from, by the head oh, God. and then swallowed him down whole. They said the boy has sustained injuries on one of his hands, that's all, and was sent to the hospital for further treatment. The victim was immediately rushed to treatment at a clinic for the injury on his hand. Later went to hospital for further treatment, but he's now fully recovered and been discharged, and he had to have a vaccine for rabies. Not fucking surprised. Because this hippo apparently might have had rabies. So a, ra- a rabid hippo. Yeah, that's probably why, you know, it's probably not common, as as you've brought up in a story, is, um, um, you know, Kate gave you these, didn't she? Sorry, yes, I should say Kate Pollock. Uh, yeah. Go and check out um, yeah. Kate Pollock's show. Um, um, thank you for these, Kate. Um, I like animal ones. I know there's more. I, I just thought... All yeah, of a she, she gave us the shark and the hippo, but she didn't give me the third one. No. Um, but yeah, thank you to Kate so much. I, very, very well done, Gav, for that credit. But yeah, fucking hell. That's gnarly, isn't it? Uh, Eternal Darkness of the Not-So-Spotless Mind is her show that she does. Very good. Go listen to it. Um, Just, have you ever it, sat on the Hungry Hippo... Uh, the, you know the Hungry Hippo game? Have you ever done the sit-on ones? No, that sounds awesome. They're amazing. So when you come down my way, I'll take you to an arcade where you can actually sit on it and do it like that, and it's a massive head. Well, the last part of this one is hippos, despite being herbivores, which, as we know, means vegetarian, can be extremely aggressive when threatened or when they feel threatened. They've been observed charging and attacking boats and canoes. And a few months ago, three lions were attempting to cross a river in Botswana where an angry hippo decided that's lunch and killed them all. Lions! I take it all back. Hippo's got a place. Uh, there's many foot, mo- lots of footage on YouTube of incidents. Um, according to uh, AZ Animals, there are around 500 deaths a year of humans being killed by hippos in Africa. So like I said, they are one of the biggest killers on the planet out of most animals. Obviously, mosquitoes kill a lot of humans because of malaria, but polar bears are up there and hippopotamuses just the sheer amount they are classed as one of the world's deadliest animals so that is their place gav when the creator was making hippos and his helper went what the fuck's this big fat sort of horse but not giant mouth what's it gonna do and the creator just says well i'm gonna make it one of the deadliest animals on the planet hip hopopos Hippopotamus. Hippopotamus. So there we go. We've gone from sharks to hippos. Who would win? Shark or hippo? Hippo. Yeah, that jaw's big. I reckon a hippo would win. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. Did you say the leopards they killed? Leopards or tigers? Lions. Fuck. Fucking lions. Lions are bad boys, aren't they? Yeah, I know. King of the jungle. No match for a hippo. Um, The last animal, Gav... Mm. in my my trilogy of animal attacks Mm -hmm. here's the headline 
You ready for the headline? Go. I felt a bite on my butt. So. Then I realized the otters were working together against me. Otters? Was he he dangerously close to a nest or their dam? It's a lady, a woman Hmm. in California. She's been attacked by a group of otters while swimming in a river which needed her to be rushed to hospital for treatment. Shit. Well, they weren't thinking dinner, though, were they? They were probably attacking because she was close to, like, some babies or something. Yeah, probably. Uh, the attack occurred uh, in Feather River. What a lovely name, Feather River. With two river otters decided to attack her bottom. Maybe they're She's... sexy otters. Maybe they're like, hmm, I'll take a bite out of that. Maybe like carry-on otters. Um, she says, I felt a, a bite on my bottom. I looked around. I thought, have I sat on a sharp rock? Then I realized there was an otter and then two. They continued attacking her, biting her all over her legs, her bottom. And then a third one popped up in front of me. So they're like velociraptors. Oh my God, you just in the water. Can get off your girlfriend and one just appears in front of you. She said, slowly she said, just I, comes up with his eyes, just out of the water and staring at She you. said, I was very disorientated because I was, I was half under the water trying to contain my, maintain my breathing. But I was being savaged by these two otters when the third one appeared How? and I couldn't I couldn't understand what I was looking at because otters are such cute furry little creatures what, it just something just didn't add up to me what do you reckon the mouse span is like inch and a half I don't know but they've got really sharp teeth because they bite through wood don't they fuck yeah those teeth would be ready they're for not beavers f- but they, they, they're they still they've got very sharp teeth those teeth are ready for flesh the evolution of them is to she take said, over human she said it seemed kind. planned and orchestrated see see they're fucking um, going to take over. And they didn't stop biting me until I clawed my way out of the water. Really? Once I got onto the riverbank, okay. they all stared at me See, and then swam it. back off to wherever they'd come from. We need to train hippopotamuses to come and take them out. <laughs> they're going to uh, take over the world. River otters can grow up to four feet long. Uh, with a third of their body length being made up of their strong muscular tail, which they can use to knock you over. Because they've got those big paddle tails, haven't yeah, they? to spin round like a, a low-flying, sort of low 360 kick. As you go down, they just nibble at your face. <laughs> she said, they looked exactly as you would expect. They were really cute. They weren't baring their teeth or anything until they they attack. They seemed so organised. It was like they were working together. In that case, I actually do think they were thinking food. I don't know. It's a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you wouldn't need that many to do like that. Especially one coming home. It's like, how they could get rid of her? The plan is to go circle or circle her. Unless it's to take her down. Well, I think you might have a good theory here because apparently there was an attack two days before a hundred miles away where three otters attacked another person leaving them with 15 bites on their legs I wonder if they got a rabies check or there's like some fucking human blood's been tasted Mm, where otters where otters there otter where otter there otter 
Um, it's very rare for them to attack humans, but there have been two in quick succession. Um, basically, don't go near otters. Um, no. Don't go and stroke them. They're not cute. You know, they look cute, but but they will defend themselves, and they will fuck you up. Shit. Um, so there we go, guys. Thanks very much again to Kate for the shark and the hippo, and I came up with the otter one all on my own. Um, Thanks, Kate. Playing that in the news. Thanks, yeah, pretty crazy stuff there. Um, who would you like to... Who would you want to fight out of all of those? A shark, three otters, or a hippo? Well, I can't... All of them... And, whoever, and whoever you fight... The other ones are helping you. Can you have water apparatus so you can breathe? Yes. So whichever one you are fighting against, the other two will help you. Wow. Well, that, so well that's kind of... <laughs> all right. Uh, easy. Easy. <laughs> you're going to fight the otters and I you're going to have a shark and a hippo. I'm a shark and hippo on my side, back and forth with me. Like, literally, they're like my nuts. I'm picturing, I'm picturing you like John, John, you know, Halle Berry in uh, John Wick. Okay. She's yeah. got the dogs. I'm picturing you running along and you've got a shark like, on a skateboard. Yeah. And then you've got, and then you've got the hippo next to you. And you're like, get him, get my, him. My first skateboard. I'm really, I'm, I can't find it. I'm I just hope I can find it one day. It was called the land shark. Hell yeah. And it's a shark on a skateboard. That's the picture with one of those there bubble, bubble, uh, uh, Tail bubbles, you know, for stopping. Um, I'm dying to find one of them boards again. But yeah, that's so funny you say that. There we go. Well, Bill, what do you think? Do you have anything you wanted to add to that? Oh, I can see it's fallen off. His dildo's fallen off, Gav. I wonder what that sound was. All right, well, I think that's everything from World of the Strange. But doing good doing. Right, let's get out of here. Bill, take us out. That's all the time we've got for this week on World of the Next week, though, give me Ira. Hairless pets. Weird. Do not withhold your mercy from us, O oh Lord. May your love and your truth protect us. For here lies the dead. Dust of the earth. Hey, buddy. Are you coming home? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Soon. Ah. They may be the next stage in human evolution. What's happening now is more than temporary anarchy. I think it's the start of a war. No, we're gonna survive. People are gonna have to put aside their sensibilities. If they can't, they're gonna die. I wanna see my son. I wanna wipe him out. Ellen, you okay? Good. Oh, 
always conquers evil. I believe that. Cell from 2016, when a mysterious cell phone signal causes apocalyptic chaos, an artist is determined to reunite with his young son in New England because he's a dick of a father. That bit wasn't in there, I've just added it. Yeah. So, I read this back when it came out in 2006. I'm not um, I'm, I haven't got, quite got the finger on my finger on the pulse of what's up and new with books, but occasionally I do read new books. And somebody read this the year it came out and said to me, "You're going to like this so much. If you're a Stephen King fan, it's a Stephen King zombie film, a zombie book." I read it. I absolutely loved it. I devoured it. It was great. If you pardon the pun. Um, and it's not often I do that. You know, with books, I'm not, I, I do love. I used to love reading, but when I had time, so I was so excited when I heard that they were going to be making a movie of this, and um, especially when for a while um, Eli Roth was attached, and I was thinking, oh, this could be great. However, there was some weird stuff about it because it was actually they finished shooting it in 2014. He's just been making Thanksgiving. Yes, I know. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah, well, I'm glad he's actually doing some horror again. Um, yeah, he... Uh, this So this was completed in 2014. And and it sat there. And it sat there. And it sat there. And we were thinking, is this film ever going to come out? There was no trailers. There was nothing going on about it. It was scheduled to be shown at Fright Fest in London. Um... Uh, and then was just removed from the the schedule for no reason. No re- reason was given, and it was replaced by a film called Pandemic. What was going on? No one knew. Even being interviewed, John Cusack said, me and Stephen King know fuck all about what's going on with this. Samuel L. Jackson has no idea. We made the movie two years ago. I've no idea why they're sitting on it. And we still, to this day, don't really know why it took so long for it to be released so it was released in 2016 boom even though it was made a couple of years before and that does happen sometimes you know sometimes films are made and they they get sat on for a while i'm wondering if it was to do with them thinking how do we market this because it's it's a horror it's stephen king but it's also not but it's also a bit weird how do we market this who's going to go and see this it's a bit of a a strange one because they're both bankable uh stars yeah, John Cusack has been in they some Stephen both, King they, well, they've movies. Well, they both held movies down alone, and that's easily, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know, it's a strange one, really, isn't it? If you slap Stephen King across a movie poster, or if you put John Cusack, or especially Samuel L. Jackson on a movie poster, so it's very odd that it took so long for it to come out. I can't tell you really what it was. There's not really any information out there that says why it took so long. It just took a long time. There we go. Now, the last thing I'll say is the book obviously is is better than the film, but only in that, in a book, as is always the case, you can go into a lot more detail and be a lot more crazier, you know, and there's a lot more crazier stuff in the book. Like in the book, they could levitate and almost fly the, the sort of the infected. But in a book, that kind of works. That wouldn't have worked on the screen. I don't think it would have looked weird and silly. 
So I'm glad in some ways that they, they, they did what they did with the film. So that's sad. That's so I liked it when it came out and this is probably the third time I've watched it and I still like it. I, I always love a survival apocalyptic survival, you know, where people are traveling from one end of the country to the other and they're having to come across all these weird things that are happening, infected or whatever you want to call them. That's my take on it. You, Gavin, vagina hero that you are, you'd never seen this before. No, um, I had started, but I turned it off for some reason. I'm not sure why. Maybe just didn't. Maybe it was like, oh, I don't know. Fast you zombies. said to me you thought it was too hectic, too much, and you weren't in the mood for it because of the airport scene at the very beginning. I think I just wasn't in the mood for it. I've not. I've not de- <laughs> developed this sense of in this age now where I've just realised some days I'm just not in the mood and actually my mood can quite often, uh, 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 you know, read the movie in in a certain way. Yeah. Um, So, um, uh, yeah, I think that was then. But I didn't mind this the other day. The ending's fucking a load of shit. The ending's frustrating as hell. There is no ending sort of thing, really. It's just, ugh, we get to it. But, um, yeah, I didn't mind it. It seems to be, though, a case of... Three people all the time walking, and it's either and it's always Sam Jackson and John Cusack and someone else. Then they die. Then there's Sam Q, Sam Cusack, John Cusack, Sam Jackson, and another person. Then that person dies, and this just yep. keeps repeating. I was like, what you is going on? You with don't this? want to be hanging out with these two, do you? But it's just like, why can't we change this formula? It's a little bit. Uh, could we get maybe another character so there's four at once? I don't know. You know, it's a bit weird. Um, a couple of things from the book, as, as well as the levitating. In the book, not that it matters, but in the book, the races were reversed. So Samuel Jackson's character was white and John Cusack's was black. And in the book as well, um, Samuel Jackson's character is actually gay. Um, but he did say, disappointingly, I'll never kiss a man on screen. Which is fine, but also I felt like that was slightly... There's more to that comment he made when he signed on. But anyway, that's by the by. Um, I think it's got great actors in it. Obviously, it's got those two in it. But I do like the the girl that plays Alice as well. Uh, I think she's she's good. Um, and we've got Stacey Keach in this, which we'll get to, which is always good to see. Yeah. Um, we love a bit of Stacey Keach. Yeah. So should we get into it? Should we get into the zombie infectedness of it? Infected away, go. It plays like a Black Mirror episode in some ways, which is funny that we've been talking about that on the show. technology and horror, yeah. Yeah, so it's cool, cool idea. Um, a cell phone signal goes out. Essentially, anyone on the phone at the time is instantly transformed into a rage-fueled, murderous, vicious... It's, uh, this opening's got a kind of World War Z kind of uh, uh, wideness to it because it being an airport. Yeah, it feels quite epic. I think what they do is they shoot the opening scene and then it cuts and it becomes much um, much more uh, sort of... What's the word I'm looking for? The rest of the movie is shot in a bit more intimate style. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Even though, they're, even though they're out and about walking... Yeah, it's tighter. It's, it's tighter, yeah. Whereas this opening scene, you're right, it's much bigger, grander. Mm. Yeah, I see what you mean about the World War Z thing. 
Yeah, just because when it happens, you know, and obviously these are kind of the 28 days later type zombies. They're very much on that. And they look fine. You know, they actually look fine as zombies. Um, they did their job. Um, and John Cusack's there, hanging out. With his uh, Nicolas Cage hair. And his, uh, his phone dies on him while he's chatting to his kid and that. So he rings on a payphone. Um, and uh, he just talks to his wife about stuff. And she's like, I, I thought it was his ex-wife because the way, he, that, you know, he's just ringing to talk to his kid and stuff. And uh, she says, uh, yeah, yeah, you haven't been home for a year. Well, she is his ex-wife, really. I mean, they've, they've been broken up for, I mean, he's been... So he is a graphic novelist. He draws and writes graphic novels, but, and he's semi-famous. She at one point says to him, "I love you," or he says, to her, "I love you." Yeah, so they're definitely going through something. Like, I feel like they're. I don't um, think they're, that's why I thought originally I was like, "Oh, obviously that is just for the kid," but uh, I don't think it is. He's been on the road a long time pr- and he's promoting a, all this work. Yeah, and he's been a right dick. Yeah, he hasn't really been home for on for a, a long time, a year or so hasn't seen his son you know he speaks to him on the phone but he's out there trying to make his money yeah you wouldn't and go away for not see your kid grow up for one whole year well it's a tale of redemption then isn't it because yeah. once this zombie outbreak occurs you know he then thinks fuck what is important to me in life my wife and my kid so i now i'm going to trek from one end of the country I to love the other the fact, i love the fact that it needs a zombie outbreak for him to realize this yeah what well like, it's like it's like Shaun of the dead he never realized the lovely girlfriend that he had until there was a zombie outbreak and then he thought fuck I better better fight for Liz hadn't I I better go and uh, yeah okay yeah so yeah, sometimes Gav we all need a zombie outbreak to let us know what's good in life I I I delve into these thoughts and I appreciate what it is I, I'm, I'm there I've been there for a while <laughs> Um, and all of a sudden, uh, the mobile phone signal um, starts to fuck people up around him, and they all start to just like break dance. They all start electro like body popping, body popping everywhere. Yeah, put some hip hop on the soundtrack that goes. Be well good. Wonder if that would work. Rock the planet, rock the planet, rock the planet, rock. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty cool. Uh, we've not seen this before. We've seen zom- zombies or infected that are rage fueled. Um, we've not seen it through technology and that leads to them saying oh i wonder if it's a terrorist attack and things like that because it's done through a phone signal we don't ever know why which, it's happened you know it makes sense yeah um and it's cool because it means that telephones are immediately out of the equation because if you pick up a, a mobile phone the signal will immediately affect you um you know so it's not just the people that were on the phone at the time the signal went out the signal is still out there and if you ever pick up a phone you're going to be fucked. Um, so yeah, it kind of eliminates mobile phones from from the plot, rich, which is great. Rich, rich, you know, face it, it'd fuck everyone up, wouldn't it? Especially, it especially the, the old teenagers that have never had not had a phone. Yeah. Oh, I don't even know what that would be like. Oh, I, got, I got my first phone I'd, when I was 22, I, I, 23. I would, I would be fine if all of a sudden there was no phone. I'd be like, okay, no phone. I mean, I'd miss speaking to people. I, I... Oh, go, go around our house. Yeah, but some people like you live a long way away. Well, we're, we're just travelling. I'll send you a letter. Oh, brilliant. Let you Pigeon. Know I'm coming. I'll be with you in a week. Well, no, at least f- uh, for. If you're going first class, and we're, I could send you a letter 
on Monday, you would get, get probably we don't, what, we don't get a post in Bristol anymore. The the Royal Mail is so bad that we just don't get a post anymore. If there's no phones, they're going to do that. Okay, so let's say for example, so you'd get it probably <laughs> Tuesday. You could, or it might be Wednesday actually, because it's Bristol. It's a little further. Uh, reply by Friday. I know if you can meet up. <laughs> And if you go, no, <laughs> no, oh, like it's, I'm, I'm like it's a WhatsApp, I'll go, all right, I'll send that message, how about that date? Oh, in five days' time, you'll come back and say, nah, that one, five days' time. So at least six weeks, we should at least have, have a date planned. Brilliant. Well... <clears throat> Anyway, mobile phones are no longer in the equation, and it's a really cool. I, I always love the outbreak scenes, and it's really cool Lloyd, for me. Uh, it's quite violent. Lloyd Kaufman uh, from Troma cameo. Yeah, does his usual face of like, oh my gosh, Ooh. what's going on? Wow, it's the Toxic Crusader. Um, yeah, uh, he's got a snow globe that he's bought for his son, John Cusack, which comes in handy as a weapon to bludgeon people to death. He just jumps on with no delay, and it doesn't freak him out in the slightest. Because he is a graphic novelist, and he kind of draws on very dark um, things. Yeah, but he also has been dreaming about this, hasn't he? Later on, we find out he's been dreaming yeah, about these. Well, but not that any of it makes any sense, but yeah. Yeah, Stephen King. Um, yeah, him and Samuel L. Jackson, when he meets him later, they're both just like, you know what? If this is uh, us having to fight a bunch of zombies, we'll fucking do it. And they just take on the violence, don't they? I always did my... It's, it's your buddy cop. Black and white buddy cop scenario going yeah, on. Yeah, And, uh, and uh, I don't know, I was quite happy because I originally thought Samuel Jackson was probably going to be bumped off early on. I don't know why. Uh, but I was quite happy to see he was not. Yeah. Um, so let's very quickly whiz through this zombie outbreak in the hotel, in the um, airport, sorry. A dog, a police dog is eaten by his owner. Nice. A chef comes out with a big knife and starts stabbing people. Brilliant. Uh, John Cusack defends himself with his portfolio of work. It's kind of Dawn of the Dead as well, like the remake. <coughs> yes, it is a bit like that as well. That sort of vibe. Great remake, that is great remake. Um, eventually he escapes... Um, because he looks up in the sky and two planes crash into each other and then her start hurtling towards the airport so he yeah. legs it down into the underground where the trains are just as the explosion takes out the majority of the airport this is where he finds a bunch of survivors on an underground train uh, and they're all sort of saying you know what can we do um, can we escape can we get this train running up pops Tom played by Samuel Jackson he says I can drive the train because that's my job. And some of the people are like, well, we don't really think we should go, you know, from what we hear, Boston is on fire. We don't think we should go back up there. And he says, well, it's up to you. I'm going to walk the tunnels and I'll tell you why. Because in 24 hours, this tunnel will be underwater because there's nobody, if there really is all that trouble going on, there's no one to manually pump the water out and these tunnels will flood in the next 24 hours. So I'm going to go walk in the tunnels. John Cusack says, Sounds like a great idea. I'll come with you. Anybody want to join us? Now you get this one guy who says, "Well, but why well, don't we? Don't well, I don't think I, that's a good idea." And he's like, "And the junkie is like, fine, don't come." It's literally like, "I don't care. Yeah. I don't know who you are. Why do I have any allegiance to you? I literally don't care." 
that's what I like about this. It's a different take on it. Uh, you know, it's a more sort of selfish viewpoint of I'm going to go here. If you is, if you don't want to come with me, you just stay here and die. It's up to you. The thing the thing is with this, there isn't actually anyone you really want to root for. John Cusack comes across as a dick that he hasn't been owned for a long time. He doesn't come across as a, he doesn't do anything to make us go. He's a great character. I don't think they want to. I guess it's in Stephen King's right. I don't know. You've read the book, but. The both of them are. Is that who's our who's our winner? You know. <coughs> Excuse me. I think for me, Samuel Jackson is is my sort of almost hero because your protagonist. He's got like a dark past potentially, mm-hmm. um, but but he just seems got like equal fitted, haven't they? So it's really weird. They're basically made to meet each other because even they even say at one point, "I'm so glad I met you." Do you know what this made me think of? As it had no ending in the way it was, and because it's not one main proper lead character, it seems to be two kind of equal billing, but they're both not. Do you know what I mean? It kind of reminds me of like a season, an episode of a season of a show. It just literally feels like one of the episodes or one of the extra long episodes. But just Maybe dropped it into it almost sort of thing. I know you've got the beginning of that when it's sort of. Yeah, but it, it doesn't really explain it, it just happens. So it feels like it's something or a story which is already happening and we, we're just getting delved into it. That's how it felt for me. Well, as they walk the tunnel with this third guy, he's, as you pointed out earlier, we will see a pattern here of whoever joins them on their travels. This guy is brutally murdered by someone just like the, the Shining with an axe, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's, uh, this is DJ uh, Liquid. It is DJ Liquid. Brutally murdered with an axe. Um, I love the fact that he's like, oh, I'm uh, so what? Who have we got here? Uh, character's name. So we got uh, John Cusack as Clay and Samuel Jackson as Tom. So it's like, oh, hi, I'm Clay. Oh, I'm Tom. Oh no, they've done it earlier, didn't they? And he's like, hey, and I'm DJ DJ Liquid. And, and then oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and it's actually fairly realistic. They're sort of okay. They don't take the piss, but they have to sort of get their mind to go. Oh, it wasn't Dave. Yeah. Okay. You look yeah. more like a John to me, but that's fine. Yeah, yeah, it is. I don't know. There is some stuff in it that makes it. I don't know. I don't didn't mind the film. It's, it's kind of like a sort of movie, like Halloween Resurrection. I could probably put on while I'm doing other stuff. Um, I believe um, Stephen King adjusted the book to the screenplay as well, so he would have had obviously helped, you know, with the input of just making it a little, a little bit more quirky because when a Stephen King novel or when a Stephen King screenplay is good it's really good and it's usually good because it's quite quirky and has its own sort of character and I feel like this has enough randomness in it and enough originality in it to slightly elevate it above some of the other movies that we've seen a lot of you know it's it's no 28 days later it's not it's not at all of the dead remake but it's for me it's it's, it's kind of close it's something different about it um, uh, yes, okay, we'll the, get to the ending. But The director also did Paranormal Activity 2. There we go, look. Todd. What's Tom. his name? Uh, his name is Todd Williams. Todd Williams, there we go. Um, 
yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, DJ Liquid goes... Basically, they, they come out into a tunnel and they look ahead of him, silhouetted of about six or seven small characters, quite small, further away, obviously, in the distance. And they're like, you know, are they... They have this quick discussion. Are they Are they, are they good or are they... They call, them, they call them phoners, don't they? Are they phoners or are they non-phoners? Oh, they're fucked up, the zombies, whatever. Uh, so and DJ Liquid goes forward, and all of a sudden, yeah, very much a shining flat. Oh, is it a callback to shining? I, yeah, it would have been. On, God, for Stevie, you know, all of a sudden it's uh, Jack Nicholson come around a corner and acts into um, like he does into Thing Majiggy. Yeah, Scatman. Uh, so they climb up because they're then suddenly chased. So they're like, fuck, let's turn around because uh, so those other characters were bad. So yeah. They climb up the subway ladder and they pop out on the street. And yep. I said to my wife, this sound of the air raid sirens, there's something terrifying about that sound. Yeah. It's uh, very 28 days later now as well. It just feels really hectic. The camera is, uh, um, the camera's like, they got that very, like, fairly fast paced uh, handheld movement to it not too bad actually I thought it was going to be worse than this and I, was, and I was actually it didn't bother me it didn't I didn't notice it but I did occasionally notice it a bit movement but it didn't it, enough so I didn't notice it where like my problem with um, that Liv Tyler film at the house Liv Tyler at the house and the, the people come to the house Wherever oh the strangers yeah that's what I can't watch that film because who the fuck is that with a camera what are you doing <laughs> Jesus Christ fuck off well everything's on fire when they get to street level the air raid sirens are going off and they they hear noises but they can't see anybody so they make their way back to John Cusack's apartment um, and they're a good duo uh, I like to be well we only had a very really one scene in that uh, apartment whatever it's called or room What's that movie called? He's in... Oh, um, Room 2 something. Yeah, whatever it's called. That's Stephen King. That one. number. Room number. Um, I liked to be that, and I think they could uh, duo in this as well. Yeah, they work well together. Um, so they go back to John's apartment, and they're sort of talking, you know, what, what's going on? What do we do? Can I borrow your phone? Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson says, why? And he says, well, I want to text my son and I haven't got any battery in my phone and I just you know do you think it's safe to text so he texts his son but he gets all he gets back is a, a load of sort of Jumbled nonsense yeah. and he's like well maybe it doesn't work and then Samuel L. Jackson says look put put my phone in the freezer because that'll keep it cooler and the battery will last longer I got Sarah to check this fact check Sarah did and uh, uh yes it can be done but it's probably not advisable yeah I, I it's just one of those things it was probably back 10, 15 years ago was a bit of an urban myth. But yeah. I don't know. I'm not going to put my phone in the freezer. I'll just charge it overnight. <laughs> and then all of a sudden there's a bang at the door. Banging on the door. Door bangers. And who is it? It's Alice, the girl from upstairs. The girl from Orphan. And she says, I, I've just killed my mother. How come she's gone back to normality? She didn't... Um, she was never a phoner. Oh, her mum was. She yes. killed her mum in self-defence. Yes. Uh, so she's very upset because she's just killed her mum who tried to kill her. She's come downstairs. She said, I can't stay in that apartment anymore. My mum's up there. It smells of 
dead bodies. Yeah, he says to come take loads. a shower. Do you want food? Do you want drink? Um, and she she knows him. It's nothing dodgy. She knows that they, they live in the same apartment building. Yeah, probably said hello before. And, and she's um, walked in and she's seen Samuel L. Jackson and John Cusack, two older men. Thinks they seem like they well, they've she, got their heads switched on. She feels safe enough to have a sleep, and he says rest. We'll be, but if anything. She's happy there, there, because he reassures her and says, "Don't worry, we'll we'll still be here." Um, that's it's why really this, sweet. That's why this actually, feels like Walking Dead episode or something. It's really sweet when she she lies on the sofa after a shower and he says, "Have a, get some sleep. We're we're not going anywhere." And it's really sweet, actually. There, you know, yeah. he's starting to become. He's thinking, "Shit, I, I I am a dad, and this is the chance for me to show a little bit of parental skills." look yeah. after this girl so he does and Samuel L. Jackson is just like a, a good guy so yeah I, I see where you're kind of going with that but I still think John Cusack's a fucking shit parent I don't oh. think you could oh, give yeah. him it. I don't think give him any any thought that he's going uh, like parentally he's doing that I think he's just he's not an asshole. he's just now again realistically you know issues. you should probably get some sleep yeah but realistically if the world's turned to shit in 12 hours, you're going to sit up all night with Samuel Jackson drinking whiskey, discussing what the fuck's going on, which is what they do. They drink, they talk about what are we going to do? I'm going to go and find my family. Do you want to come with me? Well, I've got nothing else to do. I guess I will. Okay. What would you, what would you, I'd sit there and I'd just be like, let's just go through your best movie lines. I know you don't want to, but come on, it's the last night on earth, possibly. Best lines, same motherfucker to me. And just start start <laughs> doing some EKO and all that shit stuff. Fucking going for it. That's what I'd ask him to do. Then I'd do impressions. Then I'd get him to vote what he thinks of mine impressions. Okay. And then I'd get him to do impressions of me. Brilliant. And That's how that. you'd spend your last night on earth. And then I'd read rate each other's impressions of each other, basically. Well, they ask Alice if she wants to go. And she says, I, "I wherever you're going, I think I'll come." They're like, "Good, good," because we, we should probably all stick together. So that's great. That's all good. They question, um, they question is it a terrorist attack again? They uh, have this debate. Uh, then there's a phone call from the freezer. I've never had a phone call from the freezer. Have you? No, I have not. No. But they hang up on it because they think, well, if we answer that, yeah, it was very wise of them to actually. Because first of all, my, my dumbass self uh, watched her and, "Yo, oh, what do that is?" <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hi. I just going to put you on loudspeaker. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, so yeah, uh, they hang up on it, and it's clearly you know, it's probably his wife or someone. Well, it's the it's phony. the it's the thing, isn't it? No, it's the yeah, it's the bad bad thing. Uh, there's there's a zombie montage. Yeah, so morning comes uh and we, we see thousands of infected roaming like packs or as alice says they're like flocks of birds um and they kind of follow each other and do the same movements so there's definitely like they're one mind like a hive mind she says and there's definitely that happening they're like bees aren't they somebody says later on stacy keach says they're like bees they do leave the flat and it's always one of those things it's always uh, i felt like this I think this is why it feels more 28 days later than Walking Dead. It feels very 28 days later when they've got to sort of move from one place to the other. Because when they found that tower block in London uh, and they go up to there with a the taxi driver up at the top there, um, uh, you feel like you're quite a safe place for a moment. And I'd be like, I don't want to go anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying here. But you have to go because you can't stay there. But this has that very much that feel to it. 
with them like it's a safe place but okay we've got to move on again yeah and they so they sneak out of john's john chusak's apartment and they're sort of sneaking down the road and they can see around the corner a whole bunch of the infected and they think oh we'll have to hide here and then they see a couple on a motorbike and they think oh god and they sort of signal to them no 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 don't 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 too late the loud motorbike attracts all of the infected and they get ripped apart yep um, literally torn apart by the infected. So bye bye to them. Bye bye. Bye bye. Um, so they then walk for hours and hours and hours. There is a lot of that here. It's a bit like Lord of the Rings at times. Um, yeah. And they see a house that has signs up saying, uh, "It's my right to bear arms." You know, and all these kind of stickers all over the car in the driveway. And they think John Cusack very bravely says, "Hmm." I'd feel safer if we had a gun. Maybe we should go to this house and see, A, if there's anyone still in it, and B, if there's any guns. And she's like, don't do that. Why would you do that? And he looks at Samuel Jackson. He says, are you kidding me? A black guy going to walk up to a house like this who's got tons of guns during an apocalyptic event like this. I'm getting killed. I'll stay back here. Thanks very much with the golf club that I'm holding. So John Cusack breaks into the house. And lo and behold, they find loaded dead bodies in the, in the basement yep. in a shootout. But they also find quite a few guns. Well, they girls have committed suicide, haven't they? Yes, a couple of girls commit suicide. Um, he So John Cusack grabs a couple of guns. And when he gets back upstairs, Sammy Jackson has acquired himself uh, an assault rifle <laughs> that was in the house and a load of clips for it and he's also given alice a pretty nifty looking gun as well so these guys are really tooled up though so well done to john cusack for uh pointing them in the direction of this house they could have all been killed if it was the man that was still alive but he wasn't so yeah got no, some no, guns no. now it's a good call uh they uh, see a little kid on a swing out the back who's that outside i was waiting for one of them to go there's a girl <laughs> in the garden in the garden there's a girl but it wasn't it was a boy on a swing so they go out and they say, excuse me, young man on the swings. Yes. Are you okay? And uh, he's holding a little doggy, isn't he? Oh, the doggy's nicely being petted. The it dog, is. Look, the dog is shaking. The dog yeah. does some great acting. Good, good acting from the dog. The dog says, get me the fuck off this thing. You know, it's stroking me. The boy looks around and... Uh, well, he comes at them. It's a zombie type thing. He comes at them, and so they shoot him, and straight away, what's that do? Makes a lot of noise. Yeah, but they realise later on, so just to jump ahead before we get through the chase, they realise that him, he signalled them. Um, what they saw what he saw. This is where they realise there's a bit oh, of a okay. hive mind mentality. It's because they've got a... Um, um, if, oh. Invasion of a body snatchers type tip. Yeah, 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 definitely. It's definitely got that vibe to it as well. You're right. And that's, I think, that's another reason I like it. I do do really like this one. It is very much Invasion of Body Snatchers mixed with 28 Days Later mixed with kind of like, you know, Walking Dead. Yeah. And those are all good things. So, yeah. Yeah, well done, Holly, for, for for this, you know, getting us to watch this one and review it. So they, they we then get chased through the woods, and they're running, and they're running, and they're running, and then eventually they realise... Oh, one zombie snaps his ankle. It's horrible. Oh, and I he keeps like, running. I didn't like that. He keeps running on it, doesn't he? Oh. 
But they again, we don't see this very often. They they, they decide oh, fuck it. Yeah, they just think fuck this. We've all got guns. Turn around, take them all out, and they do take out about Most a dozen them. enough to uh, get going again. It gives them a breather for I guess. And they come to the docks or the edge of a river, and there's a and boat. Lo- loads more are starting to swarm. Yeah, so they they all hide underneath the boat that's upturned. Yeah. And uh, but then there's all of a sudden there's like some sort of noise, and they all uh, they all just stop and just leave. And they would just walk back the way they were coming. It's like a static noise, isn't it? Yeah. It's a it's a strange noise, and it sounds like old dial-up. That sort of yeah squeaky. I can't do the impression, oh, but you know what I mean. I wonder if there's any listeners that don't know what that sounds like because they never experienced it. Yeah, there might there might be some younger that used listeners. To be exciting. That used to be the sound of I'm going to uh, go on the internet, and then you'd get then go. I can go anywhere in the world and sit there going. I don't know what to type in. I'll go to the hotmail. You used to have to announce to the whole household. I'm just going on the internet. Whereas these days we're on it all the time. We don't tell anybody. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, it's constant. We're on it now. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going on the internet. Yeah. What for? Porn. It's crazy, isn't it? I'm going to play The Sims. Just everything. Anything you want. Mad. Um, yeah, so they all go away. and They think they, they may are, be telepathic. They all stand... Yeah, so they all stand together and they're sort of pulsating like a big um, collection of insects almost. They're sort of up and down breathing. It's all very animalistic and it you're right ta- it does take away the creep factor when it has the technology like comes into it and they, they do this sort of stuff it takes away that fear factor from the uh, chaos of earlier do you know what I mean where 28 yeah. days later they're not like that they're just full on rage the whole time and they realise that when the sun starts to go down that's when this signal goes out and they all kind of rest and they recharge almost and music um, comes out their mouths yeah well, well we'll come to that in a minute yeah. um yeah, so they, are they all connected? Are they, you know, are they telepathic? They, they discuss hip-hop? these theories. Would it be hip-hop coming out of your mouth? Yeah, it would be... Um, I don't know which song it would be, actually. It would probably be like, can I kick it? Nice. Yes, you can. I might go for some Ennio Marconi. I might do some good, the bad and the ugly. Like, wow, wow, wow. God, imagine that coming out of your mouth. That would be brilliant. Yeah. Bow, 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 bow. Actually, oh, I'd, oh, I'd probably oh, have... Oh. If I could pick any song, I'd probably pick um, the theme from Enter the Dragon by Lalo Schifrin. Just sleeping with that coming out of my mouth constantly. Alice would be so annoyed. Every time he goes to sleep. It's such a banger, isn't it? I've got it. I've got it on record, man. And of course, Lalo Schifrin did, um, going back to what I was talking about earlier, he did all the... Dirty Harry songs, yeah. yeah. Apart from I'm one, I'm a big, I'm a big Schifrin fan, man. He didn't do Magnum Force, but he did the other ones. Um, they hear some music and find a house. With, yes, uh, 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 and what is uh, a school? A great, school. Okay, created by Stacy Keach. Yeah, so talks he's about the headmaster. It's the devil's intercom. Yeah, so he's the headmaster of this school. This school has quite a few boys that have. It's a boys' school, and they've survived an attack and they're sort of holed up in the school because obviously it's a big boarding school they've got loads of food probably loads of stuff they can use as weapons and Stacey Keach is the headmaster so you're probably going to be doing alright if you've got Stacey Keach 
the only person better than Stacey Keach would be having um, old Tom, what's his face? Atkins. Yeah. He'd be a great headmaster in this situation. And his moustache. Who would win out of Stacey Keach's moustache versus Tom Atkins' moustache? Tom Atkins. 100%. Don't yeah. even know why I asked that question, really. Yeah, it's not a question, is it? So, yeah, Stacey Keach says to them, this is what we know about them. Um, and yes, you're right. They do sleep at night. Let me show you something. And where he takes them to the, uh, the playing field, doesn't he? Gather the sports field. Yeah, it's full up of them laying down. They're all lying down. Whole stadium full up. And he says, don't, don't go near them. And he said, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Look, watch this. And he stabs one of them in the leg. Then he stabs another. He says, I could kill them right now and they wouldn't do anything. I, I, I am quite into some of the scenes later on when they're just driving a truck casually oh, over them. That's so good. It's so good. It's so dry humour. It's and not it's played them, down so well. So they explain to them that at night they kind of reboot. Um, but the trouble is every morning when they w- wake up again, they seem to have more, they've evolved slightly. They've got even more powers or abilities or whatever it might be that you call it. So it's almost like every night they're doing a software update. That's how the kid, the young kid describes it. Um, then they realize, like you said earlier, that there's a, they can hear music. And the young boy, uh, Johnny, um, says, no, Jordan, he says, listen, it's, Put your ear to their mouth and you can hear it. And it's that song that's, I can't remember what it's called now, but it's coming out and all of their mouths. And this is where they realize it's linked to this signal, this technology, and they're all transmitting it in somehow. They're all perhaps using the rest of their brain. Because we obviously, as we all know, we only use about 5% of our brains or whatever the figure is. So this might be what happens if, you know, that, that signal might have unlocked the rest of it. And that means they're all in this hive mind state. They all see what each other can see. They all transmit this signal to each other. That's why they're telepathic. All very Stephen King. Um, and I love it. I'm here for it. And I like the fact they've all got music coming out of their mouths. It's brilliant. Yeah. Why not? It's different. Never seen it before. No, it's good. It'd be different if they were like beatboxing or something, but they're not. They've actually got music just coming out of their mouths. That's yeah. great. Uh, so, oh, if what it's coming out of their bottoms instead, there might be stuff coming out the bottoms. Like Charlie Brown's mum. <laughs> Why do they always sound like that on there? The adults just walk in the room. Don't know. It's good. The kids, it's the good. kids, kids are having these, adults talk nonsense. Well, the kids are having these eloquent conversations, and then it's like, oh, here comes your mum, Charlie. <laughs> That's what kids think we sound like. Yeah. Um. Stacy Keach turns. He's just been waiting basically for a couple of guys to turn up like these two, and he says to them, "Look, I'll be honest with you. I just want to get rid of them all. I just want to kill them all." Let's kill them all. And they're like, well, how could we do that? Well, I've got a truck that we use to spray water on the pitches to keep the football pitches nice and moist when when it's summer. We could fill it with gasoline and we could burn them all. Yes. And there's no hesitation. John Cusack, the next scene is John Cusack getting in the it, car. It, but, no, it pretty much, yeah, driving along. He's like, let's do it. And Samuel Jackson's like, are you sure you want to do this? He's like, hell yeah. And they're just drinking whiskey straight out of a decanter. Like, this is that. They're having their best time here, aren't you they? You think it's got to leave some trauma, surely? 
these two must have been psychos already. At one point I get stuck. Well, this is the thing, right? So as an audience member, the first time you watch this, you think, right, okay, what are they going to do? They're going to drive around the outside of this football pitch? No. They drive straight through it over hundreds of bodies and you hear that as they're crunching over all these bodies and you're right it's like you get stuck in the mud at one point yeah. nothing he's not moving or going anywhere and he looks around to Samuel L. Jackson and he says oh it must be he's like stuck on someone's head or something yeah it's he so dry panned <laughs> and he says well then put it in a lower gear like like you're supposed to do when it's icy or muddy and he does and they carry on um, so yeah they, they've sprayed the entire field with gasoline they get to the end and of course if anyone's going to be firing a flaming arrow with a tennis ball on the end into this crowd of asleep zombies it's going to be Stacy Keach of course so he fires this uh, arrow and the whole thing goes up hmm. now there are a, probably a dozen or so of them that stand up and start running around on fire but that's where John Cusack, Samuel Jackson and Alice come in handy with just their start, shotguns. Just start shooting them. Taking them out. So this film is fa- it's fun. It's a fun film. I'm having a great time with it already. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't mind it, you know. Um, as the, the fire sort of dies down, though, they all feel something. What's that? What can you feel? It feels like rage. And there's almost like a telepathic wave of rage from the rest of the zombies around the world that are infected because they felt this huge amount of them being wiped out and they feel the rage. So they're a bit worried and they say we probably should should leave here as soon as possible because we may have alerted others to, to where we are. So there we go. They all go to sleep, Gav. What do they dream about? Um, the, man, a man in a red hoodie. Oh yeah, it's a man in a red hoodie. So they all have the same dream about this this guy, slightly different yeah, dream for each of them. Yeah, a zombie blowjob. One's getting. Yeah, well, John Cusack. I don't know what's on in his mind, but he's dreaming about zombie blowjobs. But they all wake up. And they all realise they've had a, a dream about this creepy guy with a ripped cheek. Um, the thing is, this movie, there's no real conclusion to it. It's just a thing. It's not actually a very well written story, really. The idea. Yeah. It's not. There's nothing like a major thing. It's not as executed as well as the book, obviously. I'm not going to be that guy, but. Yeah. There's definitely. They could have definitely given it. Because. When reading a book, you kind of like. It's a long process. With a film, it's 90 minutes, and you kind of want a solid ending really you want to understand what you've just been through the reason why you've just been through it and it doesn't quite give you that it also doesn't quite explain the red hoodie guy as well as you'd like yeah. so they're that they're dreaming about this guy they're, they call him the king i think they call him the internet king or something is what they're all calling him and he seems to be the leader of of the infected did he come up with the signal we don't know we were never told that all we know is he can infiltrate people's dreams and we also find out that john cusack drew this guy and he's the baddie in one of his novels graphic novels again why we don't know we don't know why john cusack is the key to all of this and why (laughs) why he invented it it's this is where it falls down a bit Mm, this is where i won't i'm not gonna rush to watch it again really anytime soon it's it's a weird one 
Um, we get more walking, more looting. They go in shops. Um, all we know is that the, the darkness is coming. We've got to get going. Red hoodie guys appearing in our dreams. They, uh, this is one thing. They don't really at all start discussing more the fact that it's his, his character. It's my character. I drew it. Oh, okay. Next scene, we're just carrying on. Surely that's a crazy thing. You're all dreaming of this guy's... Like, he drew this and we're dreaming it. Like, is this some Freddy Krueger shit going on here? What's going on? Well, that's the thing. During the watching of it, I don't really think about it. It's only when I'm reviewing it back with you that I'm, like, picking it apart. But at the time, you just you just kind of go with it, really. Hmm. Um, Because there's enough cool shit thrown in around it. You know, like when they see a big pile of cell phones that's like been set on fire and it's smoking still. And then they they throw the only cell phone they've got. Yeah. It starts ringing and they just throw it on the pile of smoking phones. They're like, nah. So they make their way further up north. Find a cabin, bar. It starts snowing, doesn't it? Yeah. And uh, yeah, they, they find a bar. And they go into the bar and there are... A dozen, probably a dozen or so people in there who are non-phoners and they discuss phoners and what a phoner is and you know uh, they all start getting pissed and they start doing karaoke um, they're looking for foot songs with telephone in the title Samuel L. Jackson sings I've never seen hey Samuel L. Jackson drunk before he starts singing hey there wait a minute Mr. Postman but that's not on the jukebox but what is on the jukebox Gav do you remember the song no you can ring my bell oh yeah Needs a Ward and they sing that on karaoke they get really drunk um John Cusack talks to Alice about his wife and his kid and his regrets and they all go to sleep and of course they dream about the red hoodie guy probably giving John Cusack another blowjob in the toilets Now, the lady who kind of half owns the bar, the older lady, she gets up in the middle of the night, half asleep, half dreaming, half awake, and she hears a noise out the front door. And it turns out she gets infected because they a new power they've evolved now is that they can say the signal out of their mouths. They no, no longer need phones. Mm. And they can do the signal. And if you hear the signal and they whisper it in your ear, you become a phoner as well. Yeah, she basically lets loads of fuckers in. Silly lady. It's like when they're held up at the Winchester, isn't it? Yeah, and that twat opens the door. What's his name? I hate him. You know. Fuck you, Four Eyes. That guy. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, I love our tangents. Fuck you, Four Eyes. And then we just carry on. By the way, we're both wearing glasses, so we can say "fuck you for us." Can we go? Yeah, we are not eyeist. Eyeist. <laughs> we're not sightist. No, not sightist in any way. Um, so yeah, she, like you said, she lets a load of them in. Uh, Alice gets hurt during the shootout. She gets hit in the back of the head actually, and starts hemorrhaging in her eye from the head wound, and then she dies. So we've lost Alice now. Yep, that's that one down. We've got to get another one now for the freezing. All the while, Red Hoodie is watching them from outside. So they leave. They walk. They discuss. You know, they're not just killing anymore. They are recruiting into their ranks by by using this signal. So it's more than that. They're trying to take over the world. So it's uh, it's planned. It's like the otters, Gav. It's like the otters. The it's planned. Biting you on the bottom. Bottom otters. 
They meet some people in the woods. So there's three of them once again. Well, there's a couple of them in the woods, and they are mental. They One of them has been awake for five days. The guy says he's been awake for five days. He's not my favourite actor. He is fucking nuts. In this. He is so unhinged. I mean, anyone would be if they'd been awake for five days. He's, he's speeded out of his head, isn't he? He's so crazy. And he says, we we kill uh, phone freaks. We're here to kill them. Um, and I've dreamed about the, the, the president of the internet as well. Yeah, I've dreamed about that guy too. And basically, there are a couple of rednecks in the woods. And John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson haven't really got any choice other than to sort of, you know join up with these guys because yeah you know he says um i've got a phoner uh trapped and tied up can i show you it and it's the girl it's her brother and he's got a sack over his head and basically he's like an alarm so anytime the phoners come near their camp he sort of goes and sort of lets them know they're like oh shit there's one nearby yeah so there are so this again it's, it's different we've not seen this before um however it picks up on the fact that john cusack is nearby and it starts suddenly talking like his son yes yeah, Jack's going, it's not your son obviously but you know he's going dad dad when are you coming home dad when are you coming home dad dad which is the last thing he said to him on the phone um obviously john cusack freaks out yeah. takes the the sack of his head blows him away in front of his sister which causes her to be upset and uh yeah they're compromised now because it's the last thing it saw just before it blew him away was them so he's they've all they all now know where they are in the woods well uh, done john and when he stops an ice cream truck yes they they get an ice cream truck um which is owned by the the guy who hasn't slept and they're driving along and his name's Ray. He says, uh, I think your son's dead, John Cusack, if I'm honest with you. And he's like, well, don't, don't say that. You know, I'm, I'm going to try and find him. He said, look, stop the truck a minute. I want to show you something. What? Just stop the truck. So they stop the, the ice cream truck. And Ray takes uh, John Cusack off into the woods. And he said, what's going on? He's like, look, basically, uh, I'm going to give you this phone. And you'll know what to do with it when the time is right. But don't ring the number until the time is right. I can't give you any more information than that. What do you mean? Yeah, I was hoping this would actually been tied up better when it actually happens. But uh. Hang on a minute, Ray. What's that around your neck? Don't worry about that. Just remember that I've given you a phone and when the time is right, you've got to ring the number on it. Okay. What's that around your neck? It's a bomb. And he explodes his head off. Yeah. Explodes his own head off. So, John Cusack heads back to the ice cream truck. <laughs> Never thought I'd be saying that in a film review. John Cusack heads back to the ice cream truck and says, well, Ray's dead. He's just blown his own head off with a bomb. Uh, let's get going. So, they arrive at John Cusack's wife's house. Yeah, he goes in now, obviously, to see if his kid's there or not. He calls out, Johnny! 
No answer. Johnny! Obviously no answer at all. Well, that dude, before he committed suicide in the uh, blues, blues, blues noggin off, he started saying, saying that he was seeing things and he's like awake now. He's having like an awakening. And that's why he decided today he's got to end it and pass the phone over and stuff. That's right. He said, it's not just he in my dreams now. I'm, yeah, it's in the daytime yeah. I'm seeing it as well. It's not a dream, so I'm like daydreaming it as well. So basically going insane, you know. And that's what staying up for a week will yeah. do to you. Yeah, you know what you may have seen in the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. You can't physically stay up more than about three days without going absolutely mental. Yeah, okay. What's the longest you've ever stayed up? Uh, three hours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe twenty. I don't know. I would have thought good twenty-four, twenty-five hours, possibly. I don't know. Can't think why, but there would have been occasions, definitely. I think probably like two and a half days for me. Yeah. Huge cocaine binge. No, I'm joking. Uh, it was uh, flying either to or from Australia. Um, didn't sleep the whole way. Landed. Just in... couldn't sleep. Just couldn't sleep. Was excited. Ah. And the way it worked as well with time zones. And then we landed in Japan and we had like six hours in Japan then got back on the plane and then I got there and our friends met us in Australia and we were so excited and we went out for dinner and drinks and I was like shit I haven't slept for like two and a half days and I could feel like my body was starting to just shut down so I went and like slept for like 12 hours maybe more straight through I woke up feeling like a different person it was great but yeah crap that was that was a long long time without sleep for me so yeah that was only two and a half days so you can only imagine what a week would be like Anyway, his son Johnny has left a message on the fridge in fridge magnets that says, yeah. Dad, go to Cashwack, which is a place in Canada, or I don't know. It's, it's to do with a, f- a big phone signal mast, isn't it? I don't know. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's later on, you feel kind of bad for him, possibly, because they sort of say, that's oh, fake. Someone's put that there. Then you go, oh, because like, me and myself, if I was going after Elijah, my son, that I was going back for him, I'd be gutted because thinking he'd wrote that. Be like, oh, he wrote that. And then find out they might be, that could be fake. Yeah. Like, oh, no, that would break my heart. Because he hears a noise in the attic. Yeah. And it becomes quite a creepy moment, go, actually. Go out of loft, like the one in my attic. Yeah. Well, he, he goes up there and he is immediately attacked by the guy in the red hood from his dreams. Has a bit of a fight with them, ends up killing them, realises it was his ex-wife or his current wife, whatever she is, his estranged wife, dressed in the red hood. She is a phoner and she was tricking him and she probably put that fake fridge magnet message up and he's just killed her. Yeah. Then they find out that the ice cream truck isn't full of ice cream, like Phantasm. No, 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 no. It's full of C4, enough to sort of blow up an entire block. A lot of explosives in this ice cream truck. John Cusack says, I'm going to take the ice cream truck with me, and I'm going to go and go to the source and sort this shit out. Yeah. Um, He says to Jordan, the young lad from the school, you and Samuel L. Jackson, you go your way, and I'll catch you back up. Just spray paint your initials on the, uh, you know, every now and again as you're going along in your journey, and I'll find you. Don't you worry, I'll find you. Okay, off they go then. 
And he drives off now in the ice cream truck. And he finds the cell tower, the main cell tower, that's got thousands and thousands of phoners walking around in a circle in unison. Yeah. Ooh, it's a bit creepy, isn't it? Very creepy. And he thinks, well, I need to get to the centre He just drives for him. Just drives for him. He's got no problems with driving through thousands of people, has he? I love it. And he's doing it while kind of looking at a bit of paper. He's not even looking. He's not concerned in the slightest by them. He's been through a lot of the if last anything, couple of days. They're just annoying. It's like driving through um, a cloud of flies that's just in front of you. Yeah, I don't oh, know well. what that's like driving. Actually, it's just kind of just going fuck it. I don't care. What would that because be? even even like sheep in the road, you would stop and wait. Well, you know, yeah. beep beep. <laughs> you you wouldn't sort of just keep driving through. Like literally plow and take out a great load of animals. That'd be just <laughs> fucking terrible. Some ducks crossing the road. Don't, because I had a situation, and I'm not going to oh, say because it's fucking traumatising, no. I'm not even going to say what happened. Not long after we bought our car, our first car, we went to our buddy Mark, his wedding, actually, um, and on the way back from his wedding in the morning, we went into a service station to get McDonald's, and as we were driving out of it, a squirrel ran underneath the car and Alice, could, she was driving, she couldn't swerve out of the way. And we we both felt the squirrel and then it sort of went flying out to the left, landed in some bushes and she pulled over and we, I just said, you just go to squirrel. She said, I know, I feel really bad. And I went, anyway, pass me that Big Mac and then we carried on eating our McDonald's. So we did feel bad, but we were so hungry that and I'm going to say just very, very, very quickly, uh, uh, you know, a good rest for my uh, cat Fizzy. Oh, I meant to say that in the intro. Yeah. Fizzy was uh, sometimes on the podcast, mentioned yeah. several times. And back in the early days when we used to record together a lot more, Fizzy would quite often be sat on, you know, either between us or on one of our laps. Yeah. Quite often starts, we'd have to pause recording sometimes if Fizzy scratched at the door. I wanted to be let in. Oh, I forgot that. Remember that? We used to have to... Oh, hang on a minute. Sorry, Dan. Let Fizzy me just, to come. just let the cat the in. Yeah. yeah. Oh, bless So rest her. in peace, Fizzy. Um, yeah. She was... How old was she? About 19 in the end. Yeah, she was a lovely cat. Really nice. Really? I'd say goodbyes. Uh, hard day is actually literally saying, like, say goodbye to her. Like, you know, tell her I love her and that. She's been a good cat. And then to oh. literally turn around and walk out and just go, right, oh, I've got to leave. I couldn't stay oh. there for it. But yeah, yeah, she is very old and not in, not very comfortable. So. She wasn't very well in the end, so she's happier now, in a happier place now, bless her. But yeah, she, um, she went all limp in my arms when they sedated her, and it was horrible. Oh. Well, she had a bloody good life with you guys. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I've been thinking about her, and I think of the good things. So, often think of her sat next to the microwave. Um, if you went near her food, she'd hiss at you occasionally because she was protective of her food, and that was fine. See, you're remembering the young Fizzy, which I don't remember so well, so you've got good memories. You have to sit with me one day and tell me your memories of Fizzy. <laughs> so, yeah, rest in peace to Fizzy Cat, Fizzy Cat. Yeah, Fizzy Cat. Fizzy oh. cat. Um, so back to John Cusack just ploughing through people in his ice cream truck. Again, a sentence I never thought I'd say, but yeah. Uh, yeah. there we go. He, he sees Red Hoodie in the middle and he's beckoning to him so what does he do Gav runs him over just drives at him he goes flying back into the pole um shoots and, 
he shoots him, he blows him away, and then he hears Johnny's voice coming from the crowd. Dad, That's his kid. Yeah. Dad, Dad. So he starts fighting his way through the crowd. Yep. And after a while, he manages to find his son. But it's sadly, his son is a boner. A boner? Si- a boner. Because right. the signal starts to come out of his mouth. And he thinks, oh, this is the time to ring that phone that Roy gave me earlier. Now, the phone is actually the detonator for the C4 in the ice cream truck. But yeah, and uh, I didn't know that, so I suppose that's kind of a twist. Uh, but yeah, then, so he blows up everybody and everything. And the cell tower and everything. And that's kind of the end. And the epilogue we get is him happily walking through the woods. Yeah, go his... meet my friends. Yeah, we're walking along. Like, I can't wait for you to meet Samuel L. Jackson and all the people that kind of survived this with me. Oh, look, there's more initials there. We're getting close to them. Great. Dad, where are we going again? Canada. So this I is what's wait. playing in his head as he's laying there. So all of these people are laying there. Are they playing like something in their head, which they're living? Yeah, I think they're all they must in there. They all must because, be the because what Gav's referring to there is then we cut back to the crowd of infected just ambling along as one big and unit. he is one of them. And he's one of them in there, and he's a phoner, but the main thing is he's happy okay. because in his head he's living his best life, and maybe they're all living their best life and they're happy. A bit like the Matrix, you know? It's like that. They're all living their best lives, but actually they're all zombies. And then they're all singing Liverpool Football Club anthem, which is never walk alone. You'll never walk alone. Which is maybe something to be said as well. You know, they're they're in unison. They're all. Is this one, supposed to be yeah. a commentary on cellular phone? Everyone having a phone. I'm not sure. What I is think it it's, about? I think it's just Stephen King trying to terrify you. It's not terrifying at all. Well, I mean, the original concept is it loses its way in the third act because Stephen King's ideas in a book don't often translate well to the screen, as we know. Yeah, I just got no conclusion. That's what bugs me about it. Yeah, the ending is is definitely... It doesn't make me want to watch the film again. But it doesn't... But it doesn't... Well, that's the thing. I enjoy the ride. Sometimes with films, I enjoy the ride and then the ending is a bit meh. But I enjoyed that, that. I enjoyed their threesome journey as they always went along. Free people, stop free people, stop free people. And I, I agree with you. This is definitely one that I'll put on in the background. Um, it's a good one to maybe put on while you're in bed, falling asleep. I'm not saying it's terrible. I'm just saying it's. you don't need the ending. It's probably best if you don't really watch the ending, if you've already seen this a couple of times. Yeah. Because uh, in my head, I want it, I want that ending in the woods to be the ending. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want him to be a phoner or I want it to be a boner. I want some more answers. I want to know why Red Hoodie. I want to know why John Cusack. Well, exactly. There's no explanation of Red Hoodie. And it's been so long since I read the book that I honestly couldn't tell you. Um, but but, that, but we should, you shouldn't have to. You shouldn't. Yeah, exactly. When exactly, you watch this film, make sure you've got a buddy who's <laughs> read the book who can tell you what the fuck's going on at the end. But I, overall, I do really like this movie. Um, you know, it, it was a long time coming. There was that two-year delay I talked about. And I, I wonder what was going on during that two years. Were they changing? Were they reshooting? There's no one knows. Um, so 
I'd love them to have done something better with it, perhaps definitely the last act. But overall, I'm going to, and we didn't say this for Razorblade Smile, but that's a, sadly, that's going to be a thumbs down for me. It's a thumbs down for me. But for this one, I'm going to give this one a thumbs up and say, if you've never seen it, check it out. It's definitely worth a couple of watches, even if you've seen it once. A couple of years later, if you turn over the horror channel and it's on, I'll watch it. You know, it's cool. um, I'll give it a thumbs up and I recommend it. And, and if you're a fan of Sam Jackson or John Cusack or both, then uh, yes, probably you should probably watch it. I think you summed it up well by, by saying it's a good cross between Invasion of the Body Snatchers 28 Days Later, but like a sprinkling of survival stuff like Walking Dead. However, there are some flaws in it, particularly in the third act, but there's enough good stuff in it that, that all enough, makes it an interesting watch. Co- eye candy if you just turn your brain off. Yeah. You're not getting a great conclusion, but maybe you'd have fallen asleep by then. So yeah, there you go. So there we go. So that's Sal. So Holly, thank, thank you, you much. so much. Really enjoyed discussing those. Um, really enjoyed watching parts of Razorblade Smile. And another chance for me to watch Sal, which I really like. So thank you thank you thank you holly uh, uh, let's let's do uh let's do a comeback in a bit let's, let's, let's go away and come back again yes goodbye back 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 again back again renegade master big boy challenger power to the people yep it's been a long time i shouldn't have left you Without a dope mic to step to. Don't start, don't start. People, I know Sarah, Sarah's 15. already probably just. We should have done the Leprechaun in the Hood and in the Hood 2 to celebrate the 50th anniversary of hip hop. We should have reviewed them again. No. No way. Fuck that. Well, yeah, that was episode 139. That was a patron. Thanks for coming along. Yeah, we did record, I think, for that. We did, but uh, yeah, I don't know where that is. <laughs> it's not on the timeline. We'll find it. Um, I might have we'll record it. I might have deleted it. But we had a one. We had ready to, to use. So thank you so much, Holly, um, for your your choices. Thank you. I need to take the crown back from you now. But you have been our queen patron for the entire episode, Holly Matthews, aka Holly Mitchell, aka your patron name, which is Lex boo um so yeah brilliant stuff always love our patron picks yes, never know you what much. you're gonna get appreciate that holly thank um, you these. until next time until next time so next episode is episode 140 140 and we are going to our final destination ah. we're doing final destination one and two so 2000 and 2003 so an odd time for horror it was just picking up steam again um it's a good time in some ways um so yeah looking forward to reviewing those good cast especially in the first one with stifler and a few other people in it some great deaths to talk about and we can talk about um you know how you can just be killed by anything yeah yeah big, big fan of those two movies episode 141 after that will be probably the end of a summer really we'll be celebrating with some hot sticky new york 80s horror i'm talking about chud yes. from 19, 1984 and basket case from 82 so yeah we'll be getting into some gross low budget uh body horror in new york style shenanigans 
And that means that episode 142 after that will be another patron pick, pick, pick. And I'm already in talks with a patron. Uh, I won't say any more than that at the moment. So we don't know what that episode is going to be yet because it's up to them. Exciting. That's what's coming up next. So Final Destination 1 and 2, then Chud and Basket Case, followed by a patron pick. Imagine a movie that was Chud and Basket Case and they got together. Chud case. And they were fighting. They were like private detectives. You went in the office and Chud was sort of behind the counter with a hat on drinking whiskey and the basket was just on the side and it opened up. Let's go. Let's go do it. Okay, yeah. Chud has to pick up the basket and run with it on his head. And in one episode, um, Basket Case says, uh, oh, my cousin's coming over. Um, You might know him. He's that guy that's attached to that other guy on Total Recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know your cousin. You know the little guy that lives on the guy's tummy on the yeah, <laughs> or equal. Buddies, aren't they? I haven't seen Basket Case for many years. And I've seen part one, part two, and probably part three actually. Um, uh, yeah, it's just a weird, weird type of movie. Yeah, and, um, especially two and three when you start getting into like the group of freaks that he hangs out with. It's just well, and Sarah and I watched Chud for the first time like two years ago but on Amazon Prime and then uh, the ending was fucked up wasn't the it the ending fucked up and it just it's something really weird and I don't know what happens in the end so interested to find out what happens yeah and a uh, segue uh, uh, High Strangers podcast which I do do with Sarah we just covered New York 1970s and the son of Sam Killer if you want to know about all that stuff yeah, the birth of hip hop and punk, yeah, um, disco, the blackouts, rat invasions, trash strikes, and generally just gangs Not and lots strikes. of crime and stuff. Yeah, um, and lots. then as you as you mentioned in that episode, the seventies then wrapped up nicely with a crack pandemic in in New York. So good times. And uh, the Wall Street boom. Yes. Yeah. Cocaine and yuppies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. What a time to be alive in the 70s. A lot of money and cocaine were just going around. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. Um, So we might talk about some of that when we cover Child and Basket Case, but obviously we'll keep it more around the 80s, what was going on there, because New York was a very strange place in the 80s and still is in some ways. I've been there twice and it's, uh, it's an odd. It's very uh, lots of energy there, a very vibe, but also a very odd place at the same time. Met some real characters. Um, we went there exactly four weeks after 9/11, the first time I went with Rob and Dave, who you know, my two besties. And that was a very strange time. We couldn't cancel our holiday because we would have lost all the money because we we didn't really have the travel insurance for it. Uh, so we ended up still going to New York, but it was empty. There was no one there, and. Ground Zero was still Fucking still hell. smoking. That's um, crazy. Yeah, I took a picture of it, and uh, I've got it somewhere. And uh, everywhere we went, there was pictures of firemen and policemen up on all the buildings. And any bars we went in, and they found out we were English, they were so pleased that there were tourists because you know they'd lost so much money in those four weeks. Yeah because no one was going there. And then when me and Alice uh, got together, I treated her to a holiday in New York. I mean, I paid for some of it, the flight, but I come into a bit of money, basically, and said, you know, I'll take you to New York. I don't have any money anymore. So me and her went there uh, about 12 years ago, and uh, it was a very different vibe because 
it was back to normal and it was full of crazy people and guys on the street that will talk to you about anything and bars that are open for 24 hours and yeah it was the new york that i dreamed of being to being going to you know it was crazy crazy times but yeah highly recommend new york it's a crazy place i wouldn't go back there now though with all the gun problems that the u.s have got probably be a bit scary because like everyone's getting shot every yeah. few seconds yeah anyway enough of my travel plans gav is there any before we wrap up is there anything more you wanted to say we've talked about the star wars sanctuary moon no no nothing really thanks for always for listening uh, and coming along with us for the journey thank you patrons all for all, all the stuff you give us the love that is um, love and money um, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um but it's uh appreciated and, um, yes it really uh, is helps um yeah no nothing really um i'm looking forward to the next episode it's always great to chat away nonsense with you yeah me too final destination one and two would be fantastic yeah i picked it up on blu-ray so interested in the old uh transfer see if that looks nice i don't think i've ever seen an hd oh no it came on netflix once so i think i probably have actually yeah it's been a long time since i've seen the first couple i, I like them both uh fan of both of them yeah i think after that they go downhill but they're still fun fun enough that three four and five are still Free's fun not enough too bad then it goes four, four yeah three's got mary elizabeth winston at least yeah three's good that's the one on the fairground right mm, yeah i think four, four might be the car four track. is the nascar racing five's the bridge five i don't remember five at all i definitely seen it but i don't the remember bridge it. goes down okay okay cool cool all right well let's do some admin and then we'll get out of here get um, out of here so as always we have been the podcast on today we are a proud member of legion podcast network uh go over to legionpodcast.com to find out more about us and the other shows uh, there's plenty of shows there to uh, tickle your fancy depending on what you're into um you can also email us at the podcast on haunted hill outlook outlook.com not outlaw outlook.com uh, and if you jump on facebook that's where we're most active uh, legion have their own facebook page as well legion podcast but we do too podcast on haunted hill you can join our facebook page and you can chat to us directly you can message us directly uh, as well as email us on that email address you can suggest things ask about becoming a patron whatever it is you want to do or you can just join in with the, the silliness the banter that's been going on for almost 10 years now on that facebook page um some really established people on there some good friends we've made some of them i've never met and probably never will but a little family crazy family on haunted hill wherever you're listening to us now is where you can continue to listen to us most podcast platforms and catchers spotify youtube podknife apple and all that stuff um we aren't really doing twitter anymore or x as it's called not bothered about that so i'm not going to bother x now yeah I had no idea. I I, <laughs> I came off Twitter a while ago. When um, uh, Elon Musk, um, he's, he's like, there's not going to be many bots and stuff on there and stuff. And, I, and then all of a sudden, just like my whole, I used to go there every day to see what was going on and stuff. And then it all just changed. And then I had just loads of just like women with not many clothes on following me. 
Well, we we never really had much. And I never had that before. I was like, why, why am I we, getting all We this? never had much traffic on Twitter anyway, so we're not really that bothered about it anymore. So I won't bother reading out our Twitter handle anymore. We are still on Instagram, though, um, and I use Instagram really mainly just to promote the show with little collages, but uh, it's the podcast on Haunted Hill Insta if you want to follow us on there. Um, and then we talked about Star Wars Sanctuary Moon, and that's all being done via our little filmmaking production team family, uh, Deadbolt Films. There is a website, deadboltfilms.com. There is a YouTube channel, which is Deadbolt Films. Um, And there is an Instagram handle, which is just all one word, Deadbolt Films. If you are a frequent YouTube user, could you just literally pop on there and subscribe to the channel? It won't take a moment. And uh, that way you'll see when the Star Wars stuff comes out. Yeah. You know, know, you'll just see it just be there. And and we won't be like throwing stuff down your throat all the time anyway if you subscribe, so... Yeah, but it's just fun. And it's not and bad anyway on YouTube if you do, because if you got content which you're subscribed to comes up, it's like there's so much content, it's easy to go past. Do you know what I mean? It's not like a, a barrage of just uh, influx, you know, of shit. It's so. not like Peter Griffin in that one episode where he decided he would complete YouTube, um, and he spent five years straight without sleeping watching everything on YouTube because he was determined to. But you Brian, Brian's like, more, why are you, you doing that? No, you couldn't. Because it'd be continuous. Oh, I've not seen that episode. I have to watch yeah. it. Brian's like, what's what's he doing? And Stewie's like, oh, he's decided he wants to try and complete YouTube and watch everything on YouTube. And he's just there watching cats playing pianos and, you know, all this, everything that there is on there. It's just ridiculous amounts of content on there. Um, and finally, a big thank you to all of our patrons. Thank you, patron supporters. Um, if you want to become a patron supporter and be like Holly, who's super cool goth chick who got to run the show for us this episode and pick the movies, if you want to be like her and become a patron, then just go to, to Patreon um, and search for the podcast on to do. If you can't find it, for whatever reason, you should be able to. You can message me directly on Facebook or you can email us at the podcast on Haunted Hill at Outlook.com, and I'll guide you there. We had somebody message me recently, actually, um, asking about becoming a patron, and I've directed him there. So we may have a new patron supporter very soon. If you become a patron supporter, you will get a free T-shirt posted directly to you wherever you live in the world, in the universe, in fact, I will say, um, unless by some chance we get a Venetian um, you know, someone from Venus join us. And, well, you might, we might still send it to you. You never know. But you'll get a T-shirt in the choice. Uh, uh, I don't know how much postage you be on that. Yeah, I don't know. Mars it's, is a bit cheaper. For, see if Elon Musk could just let him throw it on a spaceship or something. Elon Musk can take it to his Uranus. Um, you'll get a T-shirt. And you will also get free ac- well, access to exclusive content such as any additional bonus episodes uh, we put up a video episode recently of a uh, us going ghost hunting and i'll be putting the second one up soon every friday we put up an old episode weekly we call it freaky friday so you can catch the earlier episodes because we've been going almost 10 years now um and of course every three episodes a patron gets to pick the two movies we review and we've almost gone through full rotation of our patrons down which means we'll be starting again soon that's cool um so yeah if you become a patron you get all of that stuff as well as the chance to pick the two movies yeah, and i just bought a gopro recently and they're fucking brilliant they're so good um and so i can easily 
record uh, new content. And it won't be dodgy. No, no, because I make little videos of my, um, like, showing some of my movie collection and stuff and things. So uh, I like doing those, so occasionally I like those pop up. I pop up occasionally. And sometimes I For do your pleasure. when I'm not inundated with my children. Um, but yeah, so that's what patrons get. And, and you will also finally get me read out all of your names in a silly voice. So thank you so much to all of our patrons. And that includes Queen Lex Boo Boo Boo. That's Holly. Thank you. Thanks. Also, RJ McCready. Thanks. Rachel. Thanks. Sarah K. Thank you. I like your thank yous after each one. Kevin S. Five. Thanks. <laughs> Jamie Jenkins. Thank you. Equal blimey, it's Matthew Godley. Thank you kindly. And Don Goya, because his name sounds like he should be in the Mafia with a name like Don Goya. Uh, uh, yes, Don, uh, amazing. Thank you very much. And do let us know if you got that T-shirt. Yes. Uh, Don, I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued, because if not, I fucked up. Because it took us so long All for us to be allowed to up. send it. They yeah, kept yeah. telling you you weren't allowed to, to post it. Some weird cyber attack on the computer systems so you can post envelopes to America it's like what, what? Then, then I went and talk, I said to the lady one day can I now like send to America and she's like yes like with like a are you stupid <laughs> like well you're the one who told me it's not, I don't get a fucking letter saying that uh, I could do it again how am I supposed to know well hopefully Don you got your t-shirt if you didn't we'll try again please let us know um yeah. But that's it, guys. That was episode 139. It was a patron pick. So thanks again to Holly um, for picking those two really random films. But good fun to chat around. And uh, we had some animal attacks with Bill Murray. Yep. And it's going to be Final Destination for the next episode. So there we go. Anything you want to add or say before we... we... Not really. Um, uh, Thank you very much, everybody, for coming along on our little journey with us. I hope you enjoyed that interested your brain cells for a little while i hope i've interested your brain cells guys yeah well it is a good night from john cusack's really weird nicholas cage style hair it's a good night from fizzy it is a good night from fizzy don't because you make me have a little tear it's a good night from pvc latex boobs vampire lady boobs uh yeah it's a good night from uh, uh samuel motherfucking jackson and it's a good night from what the fuck is this ending is it real is it not is he a phoner I don't know what's going on Stephen King <laughs> uh, yes uh, good night make sure you shut those windows doors and everything's all safe good night and if you hear a phone ringing in your freezer don't answer it don't answer it don't answer it because it's probably John Cusack's ex-wife could be good night good night thank you for listening to the podcast on Haunted Hill we will be back again real soon